Hey, this is Chuck Dixon, and you're listening to Signal of Doom. <laughs> well, you know, for me, the action is the juice. I'm in. Hello and welcome to Signal of Doom. I'm Dave and I'm here with Rich. Rich, how are you? Hello, hello, hello. In the swamp, man. We've got the signal blazing tonight. Dave is a bit fatigued. He's had a few caffeines today. He's taking a few pills, taking a few bit of a, a bit of extra, you know. Just keep me up and going, man. Keep me punching. You know, I've got another round left in me. A few up and goes? A few up and goes, yeah. Just destroyed a few up and goes. Yesterday... I had one of the best burgers I've had since I left Hawaii. I was hungry as a hippo, and I just destroyed this burger. And I've, I, I, afterwards, I was like in a food coma of pleasure. I was so happy, Richard. <laughs> like, honestly, like my moods, they, they go up and down. You know what I'm saying? My, I'm, you know, like, it's, it's, but I've never been as happy as I was destroying that burger. Someone called me. As I finished, and I said, you're lucky this isn't a video call because this burger is all over my face. Like, <laughs> this is a situation we've got here. Um, now, 235, Rich, uh, we're doing Your Choice Green Lantern, Tales of the Green Lantern Call, Volume 3. Steve Englehart, who we just had on the show. Well, which is why I picked it. Uh, yeah. With a couple of reasons. I mean, obviously, we were doing uh, this thing, uh, Steve Englehart sort of interview, so I oh. thought I'd you know, uh, pick something. And it's also the one that gets a lot of uh sort of flack because obviously of the whole uh erisa oh yeah i was wondering if that stuff. was uh, a controversial thing um the erisa I, I actually thought of that as i was reading i was like okay we're going here <laughs> it's just one of those weird thing weird things in 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 green lantern it's a very where... comic booky explanation basically yeah yeah i mean like yeah i mean we'll we'll get to the discussion but that's yes. why i picked it okay cool yeah i mean I knew nothing about. Um, I mean, obviously, I knew Hal Jordan, but I mean, I, I've never even heard of Arisa in my life, so it was all pretty uh, fair game for me. Now, I do want to point listeners. Thank you if you've come on after hearing the Steve Englehart interview. Uh, look, we had such a pleasure with Steve. Um, it was such a great discussion. I felt rich. I, I actually, honestly, think it's one of our best ever interviews, um, and we've done quite a few. But I, it was very enjoyable and. Um, yeah, I'd point listeners, if you haven't heard it, uh, check it out. It's just the show before this. And we've got Chuck Dixon coming up next weekend, which I cannot wait. Um, mm. We've got a ton of questions for Chuck. And um, it's the fourth or fifth time he's been on Signal. I mean, you know, if we could have him on every week, we would. But uh, obviously Chuck's a bit busy. <laughs> he's He's got a he, career. He is a busy, busy man. He is a busy man. He's a machine. He might guy. actually be one of the busiest uh, guys not working in mainstream comics. Sure. I mean, and he did for a long, long time as well. Um, no, but I mean, yeah. currently, like right yeah. now, like I yeah. think he's far busier than any person working uh, in the in the top two, uh, the, you know, the big two companies. Yeah, well, he's very active um, on Arkhaven Comics, um, which we'll discuss with Chuck. There, I, I want to say, I, I think there was a stat he produced that they had their 2,000th, uh, 2,000, 2 millionth um, viewing of the webpage or something because they're the web comics he does. Mm. Um, and we'll discuss that with him next week. Um, he also writes novels. I love his novels. His Bad Times novels and his Leave on Cade novels. They're fantastic. Mm. Um, yeah, no, he's a, he's always been a busy guy, and I think he's just that kind of a guy. He's just a, he's just a worker. Um, and he great stories as well. So, I mean, what can you 
you know, it's it's it, it's ideally what you want: high productivity and high quality. The two often don't go hand in hand creatively. Mm. Um, you know, but he's that he's that rare beast. Now, um, I've got a few funny things which we'll bring up later in the show, Rich. But I did want to say, big announcement: my Batman Brave and the Bold omnibus has finally arrived. Volumes one and two, Rich. Volume 3 is on pre-order. Now, I don't know if you're aware of this. This covers the entire Batman run of Brave and the Bold where Bob Haney took it over and, you know, Batman was teaming up. The the concept of Brave and the Bold is Batman teams up with another DC hero and sometimes a villain um, for Mm. an issue. And Bob Haney was the primary writer, not the the only writer. And it, it lasted until issue 200 which is covered in the final volume, Volume 3, which is on pre-order. And then, basically, the month after that, it went to um, Batman and the Outsiders. So, mm. Batman and the Outsiders, I think, debuted in... Um, I want to say, I think they debuted in Brave and Bold. I'm not sure about that. But definitely, the creative team, Mike Barr um, and Jim Apero, because Jim Apero does a ton of the Brave and the Bold um, storyline so yeah I mean such a pl- and, and I was really on the fence of whether to get this or not because I just didn't know what it would be like and then I actually got my hands on a few copies and I was like I love this stuff you know mm. and um, yeah I've got the two omnibuses now Rich they came in this week and I've got volume 3 on pre-order so I'm, pre- I'm pretty happy cat happy cat but I don't know if I told you I, I was at the post office potentially picking up one of these and I got a new Batman mug and socks so I've been in a good mood all week because with my new Batman mug just rolling You've around the house. You've certainly been in a good Batman mood. Yeah, and you know me, when I, when I get all this Batman products, it makes me pretty happy. You know, Nothing wrong with that. Back to basics. Now, what about you, Rich? What's been going on over there? Uh, not much. I mean, huh? usually uh, still still locked in the in the fortress, you know. Can't, sure. can't really go anywhere. You've uh, been, been doing watching co- a lot of documentaries again. Really? So documentaries. What what kind of documentaries are we talking about? Uh so I was watching some on the the history of the the Huns. Oh yeah, that's that's the H U N. Attila Huns. and the Huns. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. like the Germanic, the the yeah, barbarians. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As they, as they were called, and I was also watching a documentary on um, the art of uh, the the Dark Ages. Right. You know, okay. uh, yeah. what would consider, you know, people to be sort of like the uncouth era. Sure. Uh, they actually came about a lot of like very interesting art pieces and stuff. So I, I always just get in a mood where I'll just, I just want to watch Dockers for a while. Yeah. I mean, there's one I want to watch. I've um, downloaded it, uh, LA 92, which is basically, I think, the LA race riots, um, Ronnie King and all that kind of stuff that was popping mm-hmm. off at the time. So that's one for me. I love that kind of stuff, you know, Rich. Um, bring bring it back, but I must admit, um, I would love to watch a, a documentary, a full documentary on the Huns. I'm obsessed with with all that sort of period. Um, yeah, I well, it's just very interesting because obviously, I mean, uh, you know, a lot a lot of our history point of view is is based around like the Romans sure. in, in yeah. that period. You know, like um, you know, barbarian. It was kind of a word that they created that sort of mocked the way that they talked, or like it meant. I believe the Greeks came up with the word originally, but the barbarians definitely took place in Rome. Uh, they popularized yeah, well, it. And well, the barbarian at the gates kind of cliche. The, yeah, yeah the, the barbarian as we've come to understand it is oh. basically from like the Romans' description yes. of them. But yes. they actually were, again, into, you know, uh, again, art uh, and culture and all that sort of stuff. They weren't just these like, you know, mindless. Oh, definitely savage. not. Yeah. 
sort of stuff. But I'm just saying it's just funny how, you know, I mean, you know, it's just how history is really um, uh, painted by certain people and, and you've really got to go sure. digging to, to learn the truth, which I like that. I like it. Yeah, and I mean, let's face it, like, I mean, a lot of Western civilization owes a lot to the Roman Empire, which is why you get that kind of, like, Greco-Roman view of, Mm. the period because it was the dominant cultural force for several centuries you know mm. and and it was a big shaper of even the breakup of the roman empire um you know shaped modern europe and i, um, I so i also did watch a documentary on the first emperor of china which was fascinating oh, that was really fascinating that guy was was so, a so are these documentaries psychotic. or are these podcasts or what are, what's the story are they audio or video no video video okay cool Wow. Uh, yeah, I, I'd like to get my hands on some of that kind of stuff, Rich. Uh, I got my hands on the 1988 Superman animated series, actually. And nice. it's a bit of fun, man. It's just one season. Marv Wolfman was the primary show writer. Mm-hmm. Um, and various people like Marty Pascoe were involved. So it's got a bit of comic pedigree about, about it. And it's fascinating because Luther, he isn't quite Gene Hackman, but he's not quite Luther as we know him. And he does have... You remember the woman who was always with Gene Hackman, the sort of ditzy one? Um, uh, I forget what her name was. Yes, but yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. Uh, they, they have that... Uh, uh, Tess, uh, uh, Tess Mucker? Yes, yeah, something like that. Now, mm. I, she's not called that, but it's very much that character. Mm. Um, and, yeah, it's cool. It's good fun, man. I mean, it's, it's, it's fun, you know, and it's like 88, so the animation isn't too bad. And, um, I mean, it's a bit of fun, but, you know, it's a great time capsule. Oh, indeed, indeed, for sure. So I've been enjoying just watching that because I've been I've had a lot of late nights this week. It's been a very busy week at work, and just when you get to the end of that night, you don't feel like anything demanding. You know what I mean to watch. Mm. I don't want any big challenges, so <laughs> I throw on a couple of episodes of that. I've been watching my Smallville. I'm up. To, I'm up into season two now. Um, and mm. Michelle and I have restarted watching Superman and Lois. I've watched. Uh, we've watched. I think three or four episodes of that. Have you Have you stayed up with that, Rich? Yeah, yeah, yeah. As I said, I bought the uh, I bought the box set. Oh no, no, uh, I mean Superman and Lois, the new no, one. No, yeah. Oh no, what? Oh, sorry, you mean the new CW one? Yeah, yeah Superman and Lois. Yeah. No, I'm probably about halfway through okay. the first season. So are we, so are we, and and I, I don't mind it, but I mean I don't love it either. <laughs> like, uh, it's okay. I, look, I mean it's it's one of the again. It's, see, it's it's like the. Um, this is why I say, like, I feel like um, a lot of us fans at the moment are kind of like um, uh, battered spouses. You know what I mean? In that, wow. I, I feel like we haven't had a good Superman, mm. like, in, in such a long time. And, look, I understand that there's people who are fans of the, the Snyder Superman and all that sort of stuff. But, sure. you know, it's not the – it's still it's, – it's not the Superman that you kind of want. No, no. You know, no. that you really want. And so when you get something that is even just – remotely not shit mm. you you kind it's almost like you you overcompensate like yeah, exactly yeah you, you kind of over like it or or yeah. like, you know what i mean or like you like it even though it's probably not the best but it's better than what you mm. were maybe expecting or you know yeah i, I don't so, hate it i just don't love it i don't hate it at all but i don't yeah love I, it. i'm kind of the same way I, I do i do like it but it's not like i mean i would much rather watch the new adventures of uh, Lois and Clark, honestly. Oh, wow, <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, um, I, I couldn't re-watch that because I was so, I was so into Lois and Clark when it, when it came out. 
and I feel like I almost don't want to color my memory. I mean, I really enjoyed it when it came out. No, as I said, I, I bought the box set for that, and I and I have rewatched it. And yeah. while by today's standards, obviously, it comes across as a little bit more campy. Sure, it is genuinely fun. Like I it mean, is, if you yeah. are, if you are getting a kick out of reading Golden Age, uh, you know, Silver Age Superman and all that sort of stuff, it's in there, man. It's it doesn't take itself too seriously. No. It's it's but it's not, but it's not a farce either. No, I mean, to you know me, I mean? The, it, it, yeah. it, it strikes that good balance of not taking itself too seriously, but not treating itself like a joke. Yeah, no, it's, it was a good show. I mean, I I really so, enjoyed it. To be, I, to I be honest, and I was yeah. thinking, oh, I'm probably going to find it like horrendous, and I really don't. I really, yeah. I really enjoyed rewatching it actually, yeah, because rewatching it as being a bit older, mm. there were things I probably appreciated a little bit more that I didn't pick up on or realize yeah. uh, watching it like 20, 20 odd years ago. Am I right in saying so, the first Jimmy Olsen got recast in season two and that guy went on to be in Sequest, the original, and I think he died? Um, I, I want to think, I think that's right. Um, I think there was two Jimmy Olsen. Yeah, I believe I, the, the... The one the, Jimmy Olsen uh, I remember was in that terrible uh, Dungeons and Dragons movie. Yes, but I don't think he's the one that died. It's the other one. Mm. Um yeah, I, I, I'm plucking that out sort of from the nether regions of my brain. But, oh, you know, I mean, I, I really enjoyed it at the time. And to be fair, it really got me into Superman, like, as more than just... Uh, obviously, I knew who Superman was. But, I mean, as a character to really follow, that struck me at a time, Rich, where I was sort of... I was buying a few DC comics, and I loved Lois and Clark, that I bought a few more Superman sort of style stuff just to check it out. And, and it was a good era. Like, it was... Not a bad era, ninety Superman. It was a there was a lot of good, you know, ninety Superman, um, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, now some big news that that basically dropped this morning, Australian time. Um, Scarlett Johansson and Disney have settled. Um, and as I said to to Michelle, is that the sound of the money truck backing up to Scarlett's house? I think so. Um, I'm incredibly proud of the work we've done together over the years, and have greatly enjoyed my creative relationship with the team. I look forward to continuing our collaboration in years to come. Um, I mean, Disney were fools to ever let it get to this stage. They they should have paid her uh, out. You know, look as, as I said to you, whether you feel Disney is a good company or not, they didn't let it get to that stage. She bypassed the um, yeah, but come on, the, man. the talk. So I'm no, no, I'm just saying, I'm not. I'm sure I'm there was saying, talk before I'm that. I'm just though, saying, Rich. like it's not like she came to them and they said bugger off, and then she went to the court. They were really upset with her because she went straight to the court. Yeah, but with their history, Richard, with their history, with, with their history, their poor history, um, obviously she was left with no option. And the second it went public, you, uh, you knew it was going to be settled. You can't say you were left with no option if you didn't go to arbitration first. I'm just, I'm just saying. Well, they've settled now, which tells, yeah, which yeah, was yeah, always yeah. the wise decision, and perhaps that, well, I mean, definitely it was a bargaining most, move. Most, most court cases get settled out of court. True. I'd love to know the amounts. Obviously, it was a beneficial one to each. A very embarrassing incident in Disney's resume, though, um, and, and a failure of the negotiations. Now, also, Disney have... What do you think of this, Rich? They've countersued all these families of creators um, who are lodging trademarks and, and trying to get sort of a piece of their creation, and they've now filed suit against a host of the creator families. Um, we covered some of it last week, I believe, or at least I might have done it again to the show. We had... Um, uh, Steve Ditko's family, and there were other families, uh, other estates, lodging 
um, sort of trying to trying to get back the the copyright. And um, yeah, Disney have filed suit against these families, playing a very aggressive game, trying to get courts in America to recognise them as the sole owners of these, um, you know, creations. Along, among them, Doctor Strange, Spider Man, and others. There's many others as well. Well, can I be honest with you? And this is uh, we were talking with obviously uh, Steve Engelhardt uh, mm. the other day, and he was, you know, oh. Marvel's always been very good at pain and looking after the stuff. And, and I'm sure that has been the case in, in the past. And then he did say the comment, well, now that, you know, Disney is not wanting for money and all that. Can I be honest with you? I don't know if that is true anymore. What? Uh, I'm not saying that Disney is bankrupt, but Disney, a lot of their money comes from theme parks. Sure. I mean, yeah, and the that, theme parks and are that is money. And that, that's been literally devastated for almost two years now. Sure. Sure. So I, I'm just curious if maybe this is them going... Look, we 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 need to like just counter sue to get rid of the shit because. But it'll go to the Supreme we're, we're Court. And that, that, no, that's no, the danger. Yeah, but yeah. that's the danger for Disney. If no, it goes but, to the Supreme Court and they get family. Yeah, but Dave, here's the thing though: you hope that the people suing you don't have the money to keep going. They got to pay lawyer fees. Yeah, but a, there's a lot of lawyers out there who will take participation um, profits at the end for for something like this. There's uh, plenty of lawyers yeah, like willing to. As well, I said, but, I mean, it's not a look. It's not a black and white. It's not an easy to thing to know what's going on and what decisions are well, being made. Well, we do for know that reason. the lawyer who settled the Kirby estate, uh, he is representing, I believe, the Ditko family and possibly others. And he said he felt the settlement was a mistake, um, but that was after some adverse court rulings against the Kirby estate. He then settled. So you know, it's interesting. Yeah. It's interesting. Well, yeah, as I said, I mean, look, I mean, and, and again, it's, the thing is, is it's not it's not apples and apples in all these situations. It's sure. obviously a lot of apples and oranges because here's the thing. Kirby was, um, if you look at Kirby, I mean, all the things he created, whether it be the, the Kirby universe, the new mm. gods, you know, uh, Captain America is, I think Kirby may have actually had a lot of designs and characters that he sold right. to the companies mm. or went to them and said, I have this idea blah, blah, blah. And in other situations, maybe these other people were approached or while they were working for the company or something, they were told, hey, we need a character for this. And so they create. So do you really believe if you do you really believe if you create a character such as Jack Kirby, let's pluck a name out of the fucking air. Uh, did he create Darkseid? Let's for the sake of argument, let's say Darkseid. Yes. Okay. And, and okay. And Darkseid goes on and he's used in all this kind of shit over the years and he's going to get used more to, you know comics um tv movies etc and he's not getting a piece of that like do you feel that's equitable because to me i don't feel that's equitable at all um no but again we're not we're not talking about him getting a piece we're talking about the rights that's a completely different well, we'll um, see. We'll see uh, what happens. But I'm, I'm watching it with interest. I, I because, believe yeah. any person, whether they work for hire, should get some sort of compensation if that character that they created, whether they created for the company but or not. But what about or, Brubaker or saying he got more money for his unnamed cameo again, in Winter not, Soldier? Again, we, again we, you see, it's it's difficult, Dave, because we you, you, you keep throwing apples in with the oranges. I'm just saying. We, yeah, he, I know. He, I, I'm comment. just saying. I don't agree that people don't get anything for the stuff they create. But I'm do you think getting $400 is a... Do you, do you feel $400 is, is fair compensation? But no, but that's not... But that's not the conversation that's what he got. having, Dave. That's what he got, though. He yeah, got, but that's not, he got about that's $400. That's not the conversation we're having. We're having a conversation about copyright, about who owns the character. That's a completely different conversation than than, than compensation. Yeah, but it's all it's closely tied. 
Because if, if they own the copyrights, they're not really. Their though, rights because if like you work for, would... for Marvel and they come to you and say, "Listen, uh, you're an artist. We have a character called Darkseid, hmm. who's a new god, and we need you to create him." You get a contract. We, we need you, whatever. Yeah, you get a contract and you get paid for that, but that doesn't mean you own the copyright. The copyright belongs to the company. Who yes, but this is the exact opposite scenario. This is the exact opposite scenario. This is this is a scenario where people create the characters themselves. No, we don't know that, Dave, because uh, again, uh, Stan Lee approached Ditko and said, "I want your help creating the Spider-Man character." But that's called so that, that's co-creating. He's a listed that, again, co-creator. That's co-created, and you should get a piece of it. I don't think that means you get full copyright, though, and that you can sue the company for copyright when you were hired to help create the character. Well, I, I mean, I, I obviously have a different view, and I and I, I, I pray to God that some of these corporates uh, have to prize open their wallets a bit further because I think it's absolutely outrageous. Like but again, I, if you if you work for hire, I don't believe copyright should be an issue because I believe, this is what I believe, is that you should get royalties and compensation anytime that character is used or merchandised. But do and they? In that's, and if that, if that was the don't. case, then copyright wouldn't be, then copyright would not be important. But, but they don't. I mean, many a creator I has been asked. I know that, Dave. Yeah, many a creator has been asked are you getting anything from, let's say, for example, uh, Batman Arkham Knight? There was a skin for one of the alternate Batmans, and I forget which one. It wasn't Vampire Batman, but it was something like that. And they asked the artist, who was like, "Oh, yeah, it's really cool they're using him in that game." And that, and he was asked, "Are you getting a piece of that?" No, you know, so that they're not getting it, man. Like this, no, is, and, and, they should and it's be. the same with Steve. Steve said that he was well compensated, but there, Brubaker said he wasn't. So, mm. you know, I mean. But that's again, that's again basically showing, uh, I, I cannot believe that these comic book people haven't unionized like 50 years ago because they've been so poorly treated for so long. Like this is the, uh, you know, this yeah, is a big look, factor. I, look, I don't know American thing. I don't know if you can unionize if you, you are You can unionize if you're, if you're, there's a writer's union. Uh, again, writer's union? union is something completely different. It's separate to the company. But I don't believe you, if you're not a full-time employee, with, with like certain, but I don't know if you can unionize. I don't believe yes, you, you can, can unionize you, if you, you are contract of, You can be part of a union if you're the Screenwriters Guild. If you're a member of the Screenwriters Guild, you can be part of the union for sure. I, like I'm just surprised that they, there's been attempts. I mean, various lawyers have worked at Marvel over the years and have tried to do this. Uh, Bill Manto was uh, was big on it. Steve Gerber was huge on it. Like well, um, no one's no one solved the problem yet. Yeah, but that's. Again, that's because the, these companies are just so unwilling to actually negotiate and give fair recompense. Yeah, but it shouldn't matter if they wouldn't. Obviously, the, the, the law is a lot harder to just snap your fingers and make it happen. Well, let's hope that, uh, at least I'm hoping, that the, this wave of lawsuits, where Disney are being very aggressive, and as you say, they're trying to outspend. But if you've got a, there are people out there, if you've got lawyers who are hungry enough to take a percentage at the end, they can be quite dangerous themselves. And, and look, also, I mean, don't forget, we also don't... I mean, this is just a big name that we've heard of. Who? Like uh, uh, the Steve Ditko estate and all that. We don't There's know others. how many smaller ones are currently trying to sue them. Oh, there, there was reports. Um, of the you ones know, Disney so, I'm, so I'm just saying, they may just... They, at this point, they may just go, you know what? Fuck it, we're just going to counter-sue all them to, 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 to get a lot of them dropped. Yeah, well, let's have a look. Disney sues creative families. There were, there were others listed. Um, no, but that's what I'm saying. So it's not just like one. Per I think, you know, I don't know. As it's I a said, strategy. If you've got a company and, and a whole bunch of people are suing you, you maybe are like, look, we can't 
we're not going to pay all this out because otherwise it's never going to end. Now, again, not saying they're right or wrong. Here we go. We've got, we've got it. They're suing the families of Stan Lee, Steve Ditko, Gene Colden, and other creators in a preemptive attempt to challenge copyright termination notices that have been or will be submitted by these creators' estates. So that's that's basically what it is. So they're going after Gene Colan, Dick Coe, Stanley, and others. Um, you know, and they did everything they could to basically... And Stan was a big part of the problem. He was happy to take his $2 million a year or whatever it was and, you know, frankly, um, take a lot oh, of the credit. Steve was a company man. Yeah, but I don't say that with any sort of... Admiration. That's probably the no, least no, no. I'm not saying thing. it as a compliment. Yeah, yeah. No, it's interesting, but it is an interesting topic, and it's something that we'll definitely watch on Signal because, as you say, we don't have the answers, but we can watch what happens. And I do hope there's been a shifting in position, and possibly the courts might see more favourably on these uh, estates than they did in the Kirby estate. There's the same thing happened with Siegel and Schuster, their estates, but there was a long legal battle there, which finally did get settled. Oh, I but, think it went up. Four years, I think that 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 case. They that, that they, they sued multiple times themselves, and then obviously their estates continued the cases on, and it was a long road, you know, a very long road. Yeah, um, but that lawyer you were talking about, they got involved. I think it took him four years to get them yeah. to, and then just to get them to settle. Yeah, and this is the other problem too. Like a, a lot of shady lawyers get involved in this because what these guys are seeing is a pot of gold at the end of the horizon. And that's what motivates a lot of these lawyers to Well, that's why I said, like, it really depends on the lawyer and, and, and who's asking for money up front or if they believe that, oh, it's Disney, they'll pay out. So, you know, like, as I said, it's 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 a very nuanced... It is, but on. I think at the basis of it, we've got two big companies that have exploited creators for decades upon decades. Like, that's... Yeah. Unfortunately, I feel that that's the actual just, reality you know? dave just like probably every company in existence has exploited their workforce sure, for decades and but, decades and decades it's, many, not, it's not something new it's or not new but in exclusive. many in, in many times that uh, conditions have improved in many industries over the years not in all but in many you know there's yeah, been a lot but of advancements it's also, but it's also been a long battle to get those so my point yeah. is is like it's it's who's willing to fight and, and well I, i'm hoping the long run i'm anyway. hoping that these families uh, have got either deep pockets or lawyers with deep pockets behind them because I do think you are right. It's going to be a long battle. Disney will do everything they can do to um, get this from getting to the Supreme Court. That'll be their number one goal. Um, mm. And, yeah, they'll be, trying to, they'll be trying to sort of settle on the side, but at the same time, they're taking an aggressive approach. I mean, you know, it's, it's going to be interesting. Now, I didn't get a chance to watch What If this week, and you don't watch it, do you, Rich? Thank God. So no. we, will, we will... Oh, no, also. you can't give me an update on the shit that I'm missing. Oh, it hasn't been too bad, man. Honestly, it hasn't. Honestly, has not been too bad. Like I've, I don't love it. Like, but I, I don't think it's like any worse than sort of like you know some of the mid-tier Marvel movies kind of thing. It's, it's, it's not bad. Um, and I am interested to see how it all winds up because in the last one that I saw, I wasn't even sure who it was. I, stupidly, I thought was this that Galactus turning up with the gems, but it was apparently. Ultron or something, and I was like, okay, Ultron. I didn't put that together, but yeah. But in the last one, Ultron turned up with the time gems or all, all the Infinity Stones, which in all the previous ones it had been um, Thanos. Um, so things were switching around. Now, Free Guy is on Disney Plus. I've been waiting for this movie. It's been on Disney Plus as of a few days ago. I'll be watching it this weekend, Rich. Um, I'm really hoping this is a good movie because I think it's got had great trailers. And the idea of like an NPC character in a game 
you know, we, we've all played like you know GTAs and stuff, and one of those characters then having a life of their own, Rich. I think is an interesting idea. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think it's terribly original, but uh, it, it it might be fun, I guess, if done in a certain way. Are you going to watch it, Rich? With that very sort of like that was a very sort of like a half-hearted sort of <laughs> description. <laughs> not, not if I don't have to. Well, yeah, you have to for Signal. Um, I, I don't care if you sell the high seas to get it, though. That's that's okay. I'll I'll leave that one with you, Rich. Because um, I know you're not a big Disney Plus guy, are you? You've got to be. You're taking a, a stand against Disney over something. Is it Star Wars or something that you're taking a stand over? Everything. Yeah, everything. Then why are you so fucking on their side in this creator fucking dispute? I'm not on anyone's side. I'm uh, just pointing out facts, Dave. Yeah. Well, facts are facts are neutral. You do understand. That, I, right? I'm on a I'm on a one man war, so I'm not listening to that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, okay. So, but you're on the Disney boycott um, bandwagon, but I do give you approval. I just think I just think I used to be a big fan of of Disney. Sure. You know, uh, what was alive? 15, 15, 20 years ago. <laughs> but years I ago. just I just feel like everything they touch these days just turns to shit. Oh, that's a bit harsh, man. Like, come on, they've they've done plenty of good stuff. No, I think they. I what think about fucking the Marvel movies? What about them? I, no, I think they are pretty much mostly terrible. Oh Jesus! Really? Yeah. Look, I mean, I I I tip my hat to them with the the when they first started. Sure. I thought they were uh, interesting and intriguing and fun, but you know. By movie twenty, I don't really give a shit anymore. You know, um, I'm kind of past it. Are you telling you me know? you're not getting ready for the Marvels, Rich? With uh, no, Ms. Marvel? I'm certainly not getting ready for the Marvels or <laughs> whatever else. Is, is, it, is anybody at all get fucking getting ready for that shit? Who knows? Um, Who knows but but not just funny. not just that. Obviously, the Star Wars shit is you know is well. Star Wars is the big one that's disappointing. That, that's a big one for me. But you know what? I feel like they're also ruining the original IP. Uh, when I say original, but like the original stuff, like, like Beauty and the know, Beast and stuff. Yeah, with all these terrible live action adaptations. Some where... of them have been okay. No, no, no. Some. Here's my issue with him, Dave. Is that if you told me that you were redoing, say, Beauty and the Beast, whatever live action, but you were going to make a new movie, right? You know, you not actually follow. That's what they did. No, they didn't. They they basically just took the animated movie oh, and filmed it live action with the same songs, the same lines. Whole you know what I mean? New like, world. Oh, that's Aladdin, isn't it? So, yeah. So, and but they did the same with Aladdin. So my point is, if they had said, "Look, we just we're going to redo the movies, but like new movies with the new writers, we're going to have different plot points," or yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I would have been okay. Cool. You know, well, it's been a, a long time. You're going to do a live action version of it, and but what about Jungle know. Book, dude? Like, I love Jungle Book. That was like a new version of Jungle no, Book. No, I would give me the animation one any day, man. I I must admit, I really liked Jungle Book. I haven't seen Lion King, Aladdin for me. I love the original so much that I just couldn't. You know, and you know. honestly, the the biggest mistake with that Aladdin one is asking Will Smith to compete with Robin Williams. And that that I think was a, a a reason why you should have made a different movie, because yeah. that's unfair to ask Will Smith to basically yeah uh, compete with Robin Williams. Yeah, Pro- Robin Williams in his absolute prime, one of his best ever ever efforts. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I I hear you, man. I mean, there was a big thing, and uh, original OG Signal listeners from back in the days with Stu and me would would have heard it many times. Richard, I'm sure you heard it. I thought they might have used some Robin Williams footage. 
at some point in the um, proceedings and had like an animated genie and because there was a lot of material that went up on the cover. Well, I mean, floor. yeah, to be honest with you, like you could have, again, uh, that's something you really could have done since the genie is not a real person. Yeah, you could have it. just, and you, if you were redoing the fucking same movie, you could have actually just used all the, the dialogue and the lines well, and, from, but the, he, from the animated like, movie. Here was my idea, and I'm very glad to hear that you, are at least on board for it, because Stuart certainly wasn't, um, basically what I'm saying is like, okay, you have Will Smith doing his Will Smith thing. And I don't think Will Smith was terrible in the movie. He was just a bit bland compared to Robin Williams. But so Will Smith's doing his, his shtick, but then the form changes because he can change form into the animated, you know, version, mm. which you could have made look nicer, but it still looked pretty cool back then. But you, and Robin Williams had a couple of lines because all you have to do then is take some of the audio because I'm sure there was some absolute gold that he would have done. And... Like a blink and you miss it, but for 20 seconds or so, you would have had some Robin Williams in the film. I think that would have been a really nice tribute to Robin Williams, you know? True, but, you know, again, at the end of the day, I would much rather watch any of the animated movies than any of those live-action movies. Sure. Because they are the superior product. They don't age at all. Well, I tell you what was a a pretty mediocre one. We watched Cinderella the other day, and Mm. that was pretty, pretty bad. Like, it was very sort of like there was nothing good about it really like it was okay we're doing this and there's not a lot going on and you know we're doing the same old same old and a few little twists but not even too many twists and it felt a little bit past its used by date if you know what i mean Hmm. um so that was a disappointment now uh some news some nick cage news we like to follow him on signal mistaken for a homeless man in vegas in a restaurant days after his latest marriage. And I've done a bit of research, which, because you know I do like my research. Yes, I do, Lois. Yes, thank you. Uh, and it seems to be a pattern. When he gets married, he goes on these benders. Real how benders. Is, how, often, how often does he get married? <laughs> quite a bit. He's been married quite a few times. Because I was going to say, yeah. he's, he's been on a few benders. <laughs> oh, yeah, but I think worse than normal. Like, he, yeah. he, well, he really goes to town. He looks like a homeless guy most of the time, so it's... When they say homeless, though, I mean, I've seen him. He doesn't look homeless. Did, were they saying he has, like, a massive beard or, or maybe, what? Maybe, maybe my homeless is probably the correct word. Maybe they, yeah, maybe they just meant they looked like he, he looked like a poor person. Yeah, and the irony is he's far from that. But, he, yeah, he was blind. Well, I don't drunk. know. Does he still owe the IRS money? I believe he may have settled his tax debts, but there's a reason why he keeps on working, you know, because, like... Well, the, the, the reason why you saw him in so many shit movies, just one after the one after the other, is because apparently he owed the IRS oh, so yeah. much money. He was, he was, yeah, very sort of sad what happened to his career. But, um, yeah, but, yeah, he was, he was, oh, well, look, we got a lot of bad, but we got some really good gems out of it. So, you know, take the good with the bad. That's true. Oh, he's done some very interesting stuff. I mean, I like Nick Cage, but, yeah, no, it's an interesting scenario that he finds himself in now. Um, I don't quite know the answer there. I mean, he, he said in an interview, uh, only a year or so ago that he needs to keep working because if he's not working, he's basically drinking. You know, and I was like, "That sounds like an alcoholic." Like that sounds like the guy in your own fucking movie, Leaving Las Vegas. Remember, remember that classic or, movie, or, 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 or a bit of that character as well from uh, Snake, Snake Eyes. Eyes. Snake Eyes, yeah, yeah. It, Snake Eyes character has very much become Nick Cage's real life character as well. Like, well, that's the thing. I think he's, yeah, I think he's morphed into these crazy characters that he's played. Like, I think yeah. he's, wow, you know. That, yeah, it's very He's weird. off the reservation. He's off the reservation badly. 
I think he's done just so many movies and so many shitty movies. I think it's just destroyed his mind. Doesn't it's destroyed care. his psyche. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I wonder what he's doing right now, Rich. We should try and get him on the show. Can you imagine getting him <laughs> coach? Well, we'll have to find him in a bar somewhere. Well, maybe. he'd be in Vegas. He he gets up to a lot of mischief in Vegas. Vegas probably isn't the right city for Nick Cage long term. You know, that could be part of his problem, I think. That, <laughs> you know, like, he there's, well, let's face it, gambling, strippers, fucking alcohol, party atmosphere, you know, party town. And Nick Cage with money in his pocket. That's a recipe well, for disaster. Know, but, but you know what? To be fair, that's why I said that that's why there's so many actors and, and, and sort of celebrities uh, who are like alcoholics or drug addicts. Because when you make so much money sure. and you have so much downtime yeah. in between jobs, you got to pass the time somehow. you got yeah, to fill your life with some I, sort of... I guess so. But like, then there's plenty of guys who put cash in a bank, you know? Like... No, they are. I think a lot of those... Look, I, I think there's certain actors who maybe they got settled or married or, you know, found the right person yeah, yeah, yeah. early in their life, and so that has kept them a bit more normal. Mm. But, you know, the ones who sort of were maybe a bit younger uh, and kind of embraced... Yeah, and had, know, and had some hype and some heat on them. Yeah, yeah, and know. the celebrity and the parties, yeah. you know. I yeah. mean, yeah, when you got... When that's the life you introduced to and then you've got a lot of downtime or, or, or in-between movies... <laughs> That's kind of what you do to, I guess, pass the time. Oh, definitely, and I mean, it's and it's a you know, it, it is kind of a weird career because it is to to be successful as an actor. Like, I mean, really successful, like world famous. It is kind of like winning the lottery, and then it's all about longevity. And someone like Nick Cage has been blessed to have had a very long career mm. and have had plenty of work, even with his personal sort of shambles of a life, you know. True. Um, I'll, go, I'll go off on a tangent here. Do you know something that occurred to me recently? Because I just watched The Goonies again. Right, maybe. Um, uh, and something right. occurred to me. Is it just my imagination or any – and it always seems to be the, the, the boys, the men, mm-hmm. the young guys. Any very popular child actor, mm. boy child actor, never seems to grow taller or look like a, a – uh, a full adult. Well, it's that curse of the child actor, isn't it? Like they're viewed how they were when they were twelve or thirteen mm-hmm. or fourteen. But I mean, look, like, like you look at Leonardo DiCaprio. Even right sure. now, with him being older, I still think he looks. Yeah. Um, he, he's still got that sort of baby face, and you know, he's not a very tall guy. And then you look at Sean Astin, you look at um, uh, uh, Elijah Wood, mm. you look at um, uh, the um, the Corys. Well, one of them's it's dead. Just, I was just to look at one of them now, Rich, in the graveyard. But I was just—I was racking my brain thinking of all these child actors who made it big. Sure. Like Wesley, Cru- uh, what's the guy that plays Wesley Crusher? Oh yeah, what's his fucking name? That guy, um, Will, Will Wheaton. Will Wheaton. Will Wheaton. Yeah. Just look at all of them. They never—they—they they just seem to not look like a, an adult when they become an adult. Partly that's because we're familiar with their faces, their primes were when they were younger. Although, no, but yeah, I, I don't know because different. Josh Brolin's in that movie, man, and he looks so manly and and rugged. Mm, true, but he's a bit older than those boys, though. Yeah. So I'm just wondering if it's like a—is it maybe an age thing? And when they're younger, they get in—you know—maybe they start doing the liquor and the the stuff at a much younger age, and that somehow stunts their growth. I don't something. know. I, I think so part of it's... It was a weird tangent thought I had the I, other I, day. I, I think part of it's to do with how we view them. And then it's, it is their faces, and like it, it's like Yeah, but anyone, I'm just you know. saying, none of them grow to be tall. I just yeah. find that very odd. Yeah. 
Oh, well, maybe it's I can't the think of a face. single child actor who like had a growth spurt. River Phoenix. He, he, uh, he got taller. He died pretty young, so I don't know. Yeah, but he was like 24, 25 when he died, and he was, what, 13, 14? Oh, he, okay, so what, one out of 20. I'm just picking one. <laughs> like Kiefer Sutherland? I know, but I'm talking about the average, though. Kiefer Sutherland? How He's... young was he when he made a name for himself? Well, he was in Lost Lost Boys. I don't know how old he was. was oh, no, but Lost Boys, he was, he was a young guy. I'm talking about, like, the, the guys who were, like, yeah, 11, kids. 12, 13 yeah. when they made a name for themselves. Yeah, well, it is the curse of the child star. Um yeah, no, yeah. I, I don't think you're too far away. I, I, why that is, I don't know. But, mm. I mean, partly it's because I think they're picked for their cute baby face appeal, you know. And then it's... that. Yeah, that it was just, it was just, just an, it's just a thought that occurred to me watching The Goonies. Great stuff. I mean, good movie. Um, if I had, if you had to choose, okay, you, you, you here's the news, Rich. They come to you and say, Rich, you're going to die after this movie. You've you got one last chance to watch Goonies or Lost Boys in a cinema... By yourself, popcorn, heated seats. Which one are you picking? Oh, I'll go Goonies. Well, I'd go Lost Boys. No, Goonies is just fun. Goonies and, and is do, great. Goonies is a uh, it's a it's that's a Richard Donner movie. Yeah. Well, yeah. okay. It's just great. Oh, it's just got good child actors in it. What about Lost Boys yeah. though? Is Lost Boys hey. anywhere near? I love Lost Boys. I'm not. I'm not a massive fan of Lost Boys. If I'm being honest. Jeez. Wow. And I have you on signal, Rich. Really. I'm thinking about watching. Uh, if it well, rains, one of but... one of us is wrong. No. <laughs> I mean, I love Goonies as well. I mean, basically, the weather conditions in Sydney are supposed to be—it's supposed to have a downpour. And if that—if there is a huge thunderstorm downpour, it means I don't have to go to tennis tomorrow. And um, if that is the case, I'll be watching Lost Boys. I can tell you that much. I've—I've I've just recently had a craving to watch it. Goonies as well, though. I've watched Goonies. I mean, I still remember as a kid being in the cinema with my sister watching Goonies. Like, it's so nostalgic—the memory, you know. Mm. Um, whereas Lost Boys, I would have seen on video because because it, it was a bit older, like mm-hmm. vibe. Um, but Goonies, I, I remember that was like peak eighties, wasn't it, Rich? To watch Goonies in the cinema. Oh yeah, yeah, that yeah. was that was the young kids like uh, Indiana Jones. Yeah, I had the um, novelization as well, actually, of that. Mm. I also nice. had the novelization of um, Gremlins as well. Um, uh, yeah, I remember that one very well. Now Another I had. Oh, great movie. The original Gremlins. Great, great movie. Um, one of my favourites, actually, to be honest. When I was a kid growing up, Gremlins was, for me, like, people are always like, what's your favourite movie? Gremlins was pretty much one of my all-time faves. Well, can, can I, I, this is the thing. I think um, when when you think of the 70s, I think you think of really great um, gritty, adult movies. Gritty movies, Taxi Driver, that You know kind what of I stuff, mean? Yeah. Uh, but when it comes to the 80s, I think that's just, like, peak, peak young yeah, young, young people movies like just fun. Yeah, the movies that they they were kind of like targeting a bit of a a kid, but but also not like not too kiddie. I think know, ET I mean, was a big part of that. I think ET may have started that trend. Um, hmm. yeah, but I mean, they Goonies, even made some horror movies that were directed like that were kind of aimed for well, Ghostbusters for for kids and Ho- all that sort horror of stuff, comedy, you know? more comedy than horror. But like, yeah. But I'm just saying, I think 80s was the best time to be a young person watching movies because they were just, they like they just, I don't know, they were just like perfect for that age. It was a golden era, but I'm going to say something to you, and maybe you won't agree. Like, do you feel we over glamorize the 80s? Because I lived through it, and there's plenty of shit things in the 80s. You know, there's shit things in every day. No, I, I agree, but do you, do you, but like, why is the 80s? I don't given know. I mean, it depends. Pass? I think I think we over glamorize the 80s just because I think the 80s was like this this. Um, uh, this, this more fun time. As I said, the 70s was all about, like, 
what a game. Dark, yeah. you know, you know, uh, Vietnam, you know French kind of Connection. Stuff. Yeah. You know, but like it was, it, it was everyone sort of like maybe disgruntled with, you know, uh, the future and government sure. and, and all that sort of stuff. And so, you know, when people look back at that, they it's seen as more of a, uh, a, a darker time. Yeah. Like sure. or a less hopeful time. But I think the 80s felt hopeful. The, the 80s felt fun. Certainly did. Yeah. Vibrant. And that we were we were turning a corner. Well, that was and definitely think, the image in, on TV as well. Yeah. Was, but that's know. why I feel we we tend to look back at the 80s with such fondness is because the 80s, when you watch, even when you go back, they just make you feel good. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting. You know? But but again, I'll say that I think a lot of that's just modern-day myth-making, you know, even at the time. Like, I, I think it's all we're all products of what was the marketing machine of the 80s and of Reaganomics and all that kind of stuff. Well, like, I don't know. I, I'll be honest with you. I'd much rather, I'd much rather live in that, sure. uh, that world than say... The current one now with what I'm being yeah. bombarded is there, is, is with. Is now or... so bad though? Like, I mean, I would, you know, is it uh, that bad? I, I for, in terms of entertainment wise, for me and, sure. and and my hobbies and stuff that I enjoy, yeah, it's, yeah. it's it's probably the worst time for me right now. Okay, well that's sad. not saying I couldn't get better, but no. if I had to pick right now, if I had to basically pick, you know, the the. The last sure. ten years to say ten years in the eighties, I'd you know because eighties are great comic no, books, I agree great with movies, you. I agree with you. great great music. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I can't think of yeah, yeah, yeah. too much that wasn't sort of just like going well into just in terms of things that I like. Sometimes I feel now we've overmined a little bit. Like, well, look at look, dude, look at all the or look at all the Hollywood right now. They are literally going back to mine everything. Yeah, yeah, from the eighties and nineties. That shows you how good the things were. In terms of popularity, in a, in a broader sense, because as I said, seventies, great stuff there, but again, very different, darker. It was you a know, dark, yeah, yeah, not, not not exactly like universal, but it's the, there's a reason why they keep tapping into like say the eighties and the and the nineties, sure. because that shit was just like, like just see fire. a big part of me actually probably prefers the nineties, actually to be honest. Like, well, it's different. So uh, yeah. you see, I look back at the eighties uh, more for when I was a kid. Mm. And 90s was more when I was a young adult teenager, yeah. you know, getting into sort of girls and and, yeah, yeah, and growing who up. I am. So growing it's up. two very different. Um, They're linked. I prefer each, I prefer both of them to now. Mm. You know, yeah, like 80s is like even though I wasn't, I was born like right at the end of the the 80s. Mm. The 80s is is I still consider that my childhood, and 90s would technically be my young adult. When were you born? The end of the 80s. 79. Oh, the end of the 70s. Oh, sorry. I was, I was like, I knew there was a few years between us, but I was like, the end of the eighties. <laughs> like, I was like, what the hell, fucking old is Richard? No, um, uh, yeah. So, it's, but as I said, gr- luckily for me, growing up in South Africa, growing up in the nineties uh, or like uh, mid to late eighties was literally like growing up in the eighties. Yeah. No, I hear you, man. Interesting stuff. Uh, like, you know, I enjoy this kind of discussions. Like, uh, it it is always interesting. Now, some big news. Uh, Bob Dylan. I I do stay on the story, don't I, Rich? I like to track his every Bob movie. who? Whoa, slow down, Rich. Come on. <laughs> Come on, Richard. You're a better man than that. Just so, messing with you, yeah, Dave. Yeah, it's not really appreciated. But anyway, but um, <laughs> he put out a new bootleg series recently, which was covering, I think, 85. Great, great collection. I've been absolutely loving it. called Springtime in New York. Um, but he has announced that he's starting a new worldwide tour to last until 2024. And I think that kicks off later this year. So very late this year, he's going to kick off a tour that's going to last till 2024. He has just turned 80. So 
He loves the road, man, doesn't he? You know, yeah. He loves the road. Well, what, what, road, what did Morgan Freeman say? In uh, it's a get either get busy or something or get busy dying or something like that. Right. Yeah. Get um. He he who is not busy born is busy dying. That was Bob. Well, that, yeah, yeah. So like, yeah. So I mean, obviously he's just like, you know what? I just I got to keep busy, man. I have got to yeah keep going. It could be could be over tomorrow. Knock knock knocking on heaven's door. He probably is very close to knocking on heaven's door. Yeah. Honestly. Just like so many times before. Um. Okay. <laughs> Russell T Davies is back in charge of Doctor Who. This feels like a hail mary. Uh, Doctor Who has not been fantastic recently. I would I will say. You know. Um, I, I don't mind the, the lady, uh, Jessica, is it Jessica Whitaker? I think that's her name. Um, I actually, no idea. I don't mind her, but I just feel the stories have been very, very bad. Um, or, and boring more than bad, just actually boring, which I think is an even greater crime at times. Um, well, look, I, I, I'll just say this. I obviously have not been watching the new Doctor Who because again, I don't find it fun or entertaining in any aspect. And you like the originals, um, don't you? You've. I, I like the originals, and I I like the uh, the continuation. Um, uh, I, I even enjoyed most of the Capaldi right. run. Oh, okay, I mean, so were, you hung was, around. Yeah, okay. Yeah, there was a bit of like it was a bit of up and down, but mm. you know, I, I I mean, there was still things that I enjoyed about it. There were some mm. some good stories mm-hmm. uh, and all that in it, but uh, this one, it's just, as I said, it's been the the most of the companions have just been utter boring tripe. Yeah. And this doctor just doesn't seem. She's all right. She, like, no, I'm sorry. She doesn't seem interesting at the least. I, I feel like she's vanilla. I feel she's. She's pretty vanilla. Very bland compared to the other doctors. Like even Capaldi's doctor is, uh, even though he was playing a much drier doctor, feels more you know interesting than her. But you cannot tell me that everything is a okay with the show and everyone's loving it if you're bringing back. <laughs> oh no, there's, ratings have uh, collapsed. Yeah. Crit- critically, it's not been well received. I mean, it, it's in it's it's in need of an injection, and they've gone back to Russell T Davies, who did such a good job with uh, Eccleston and Tennant. Um, so you know, yeah, I you know what, I'd be very careful if I was him, though. Why? Well, you know, because sometimes um, Coming you know back. you got, you you get brought on to 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 save a sinking ship, and all that happens is you go down with a sinking ship. Joss Whedon on um, Justice League. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, uh, you know. or any any football manager <laughs> taking over a struggling, a struggling club, and then uh, you end up getting relegated. So, yeah. you know, you got to get. You could be the savior, you could be the hero, or you could literally be drowning with the ship. Yeah, and sometimes it's best to walk away and with a good memory, you know, and then the sequel. Well, can that's be my point. Like, it. if he comes on there and and it is shit, and and then it, he, you know, that will. Not tarnish like oh my god you'll never work here again, but it will sort of tarnish your your reputation a little bit because you won't have a spotless yeah reputation oh, anymore. Yeah, I hear you, man. But I mean, yeah, it's interesting, and um, yeah, I don't know. It, it couldn't be much more boring than it has been, and I've watched it all, and I've I, I sit there and go, I don't mind it, but the stories themselves have have kind of sucked mostly. You know, like. They've just not been very interesting. There's been a couple of good ones. There was a good one which had kind of like an Amazon analog, which I quite liked. That's probably the only one that I can even remember that well. Like a lot of it's been, <laughs> a lot of them have been quite forgettable. Which, again, is well. That's what I'm saying. I mean, what has she had? Like two or three seasons now. And I mean, if you can only go like, oh, there was this one episode I really enjoyed. That's that's terrible. Oh yeah, no, I've I've watched them all, man. And, and like with her, 
honestly, and it's not her fault. It's it's the scripts. Like it's she's fine. Like you know, it's it's the scripts. But there was um, a special that we watched, a Dalek special, and we watched it. And I honestly can remember absolutely nothing about it. You know, like it's just it was just that forgettable. Like honestly, like and it should be a big event. Like it's the Dalek special. You know, it was the New Year special. And, and Michelle said, "Have we watched this?" And I'm like. You know what? I think we have, and I just don't remember it at all. Um, <laughs> that is how a lot of her stories feel. Like, there's just no weight to them. When I think of Tom Baker's stories, I can still vividly... You give me a title, I, 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 know, I know a chunk of the story. Not scene for scene, but I remember bits of it. Like, they stick in the mind. Whereas her well, stuff, it's very, like, you know... Well, you know one now. of my friends made a good point about it, which is it kind of ties into what you're saying where you, it's not memorable or anything. He said... I feel with this series of the Doctor, it's all about lecturing people, sure. you know, whether it be about the planet or right. like race. Whereas, you know, the other Doctor stories, yes, there were moments of, you know, whether it be uh, species, you know, uh, speciesism or racism or whatever. But it was done in a way to entertain. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was, it was done in a way to tell you a compelling... It, it always fun... had a social conscience. A no, lot, but, not but always, my point a is it was done to entertain you first yeah, for and sure. make you think second. Yeah. Whereas this one just goes for, no, 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 we're gonna, you're going to sit there and you're going to listen to what we have to say you're gonna listen, about kids. issues, but we're not yeah. going to entertain you. <laughs> yeah, and so... you, know, you know where I think, though, and I do want to say that, that I by no means have given up on Doctor Who. Like, I am unfortunately kind of... I'm less so now, obviously, but I was so hardcore into it. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's a, it's part of my DNA. Like, I, there is hope in that some of the stuff they do to make it more modern has worked. Like, I like the way it's sort of moved in some ways. Like, some of the stuff has worked. But I will say this, and this applies not just to the current showrunner, but Moffat as well. Awful at season finales. I mean, so many so-called big moments... Um, in Matt Smith's later series were really, I felt, undermined by just hammy writing and just not very satisfying endings. Like, So some of the problems were there well before um, Moffat left, you know? Um, and they extend back to the late days of Matt Smith's uh, time on the show. So it's not just this woman and the current showrunner. Some of these problems have been there for years you know like it's I, I in my mind it's been in decline for about five five years and uh, you know yeah no i i do agree with you i mean uh yeah because you know w w when you start with the the, the eccleson and the uh tenant yeah i mean the, the, that's firing on all cylinders sure like yeah. you know there there is far more good than bad and when you get to the matt smith the matt smith starts off really well definitely yes it starts going downhill once. Uh, is it Clara? Yeah, that that is definitely a turning point of the show. I think where she from, comes from, yeah, from the, the, when they started bringing in the whole the like the Clara and all that is. Look, there was still some good stuff. I'm not saying it was shit then, but I think that's where you can maybe pinpoint the um, decline. The yeah, the the the, the gradual decline mm. to the point where it is now, where I think it's in full decline. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. That, I, I just wanted to make that point. Like, by no means... I was quite open to a female doctor, very open, and I actually feel like this actress is pretty decent, and if she was given more to do... I'll tell you a similar doctor to her, to me, is Peter Davison. Very, very good actor. Didn't have the best... And performed the role very well. 
didn't have the best scripts, didn't have the best production values, was kind of, his era is kind of let down a bit by the limitations of the show and, and the scripts. Um, I'm, and she's not as good as him, but she's definitely got the range and everything, but she's, she's been given, in my mind, sort of scraps, you know, and... Like, well, I mean, maybe, but I mean, also, I don't know how good of an actor she actually is because, other than this, Broadchurch, not really seen uh, anything I that, think Broadchurch is uh, one uh, of the thing. Yeah, but I mean, how good is she in that? Is she like, oh my god, what a well, what I've a not watched performance it. in that. Well, apparently, she's good. Like that. That's that's what I've heard. I've not watched it myself personally, but th- that is what she's known for. Other than this, I believe, you know. Because as I said, I mean, Capaldi didn't have a lot of great stuff to work with, but I think he made himself more interesting than... Yeah, very good actor, though. ...than the story. So I'm just saying, like, you can say, oh, they weren't given much. I'm like, yeah, but Capaldi wasn't given that much either, but I think he worked with what he got and he had the talent to to, to rise above that. But now, again, not saying she's bad, but maybe she's not at that level... That where she can rise above, maybe the well, the her doctor is a bit wishy washy. I don't know. There's just something. It, it, it's kind of in the DNA of the approach they've taken is probably not the best approach. Like they've not given her good scripts. They've not given her a very strong character either. Like it's a very wishy washy sort of transitional doctor. Um, I just don't. I, I just feel that like. There's 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 a bit of a failure of planning there really, and I and I and I can't put all the blame on the actress because she can only work with what she's given, and I don't know. Like as you say, Capaldi, I mean, definitely suffered for some very bad scripting, um, but he's a very strong actor as well, you know. Uh, and the mistake they made with Capaldi, I feel they tried to make him more comedic, and it just didn't work. You know, like, I, I, I don't feel that that was his strength. But, I mean, he's a very strong actor and was capable of giving in very powerful scenes. He can He's the kind of guy who can just turn it on for a scene, you know? Um, mm. He's that kind of an actor. Like, he's he's a bit of a game-changer as an actor. Um, well, I mean, I, I agree with you. Like, it, the, the, the problem with this Jodie Whittaker is that I feel that her stories and her character are so bland yeah. that the only mark she will leave is being a female doctor. No, I, yeah, I, unfortunately, you know. I agree. Like, it, bland is the operative. Actually, that is how the show feels it's for the last two seasons. Bland, like wishy-washy, bland. And and uh, and I'm not blaming her. I'm saying the entire show, script-wise, story-wise, and particularly ending-wise, the the current crop of Doctor Who writers don't know how to pay off stories. No, but you know what? I won't give her a free pass like you because her no. and uh, whoever the, the, the showrunner is Chibnall. are supposed to be such great friends. Yeah, Chibnall, I believe. Best buds, they work together on this other thing that she's supposed to be really good in. <laughs> so, I'm, no, I'm sorry, I'm not going to give her a free pass. Fair enough, man. If, if you and your best buddy are supposed to be working together and you know each other so well, sure. then uh, you don't get a free pass on your doctor being boring. No, I, I, get, I hear your point. Like, I mean, yeah, I mean, there's... I, I, I get your point there because, like, if you are the Doctor, which is an iconic role in British TV, would you agree, Rich? Like, it's it's one of yes. The, well, it's probably one of the most yeah, iconic, other it's than one say, of the, like a Sherlock Holmes or yeah. something like that. And and unlike Sherlock Holmes, this is a continuing sort of thing that's always on. Uh, it's a plum role, and you are right. If you've got to grasp it with both hands, the opportunity, and I, I kind of feel that she's kind of played it down the middle a bit too much and maybe not taken as many chances as she probably should have. And 
it's hard though. Like the way they've written a character isn't the best either, Rich. Like it's it's tough. You know, what can you do as an actor if well, you're given no, but, shoddy scripts? But that's your buddy. You can go talk to your buddy. Well, that's true. And say, that's write true. me some more interesting shit, or I yeah. want to do this, or this is how all my you're supposed to be buddies. True, man. True. Very true, Rich. Anyway, um, now, funnily enough, Richard, Mags. How do you say the name? Visagio? Mags Visagio. Now, I've, you've mentioned this name to me before, and, and I honestly have never been aware of this person, other than I think I've seen it in a couple of internet discussions, but I, but you were aware of this uh, creator, yeah? You've, you've yes, mentioned it before. Yes, because it was like literally one of the most famous hack writers going. Okay, now, anyway, so I just listened to John Suntra's Word Balloon, to quite an interesting uh, episode, actually, with uh, Michael Avon Oming and, um, well, I think his wife or partner, and this Max Visaggio was on there as well, talking about what seemed like an interesting idea, and then she also had a quite interesting um, pitch for a horror book. She just watched Halloween and blah, blah, blah. But anyway, I was listening to it. She's she's quite a, um odd personality, I will say that. Um, but anyway, she... There was a... There was an interesting quote which I wanted to discuss with you. So, do you remember Scott Snyder sort of midway through his, like, Batman run suddenly was giving writing classes to DC? Mm-hmm. Sort of, like, up-and-comers? Anyway, so he gave these writing classes. Workshops, in, I believe. That would workshops, be. yes, exactly. Anyway, so um, John Suntras said, what was the biggest takeaway you took from Scott Snyder's um, workshop? Because she was obviously, a, you know, a... Member. And James Tinney the fourth was another guy who came via that. Anyway, and this was her response, Richard. I'm going to give you the quote. The This is literally what she said. You don't have to worry about plot cohesion. Yeah. <laughs> that, that explains why her oh, books are so shit. Wow. I, like, and she did try... But I'll go a bit further, because I don't want to misquote it. She then tried to say, now, of course, it's not just that. It's the JJ fucking argument, where if you make people care about the emotional beat... They don't care about the plot. That was... Which I have a few issues with. Like, maybe that's partially true, but don't worry about plot cohesion in Big 2 comics is a problem. Big problem. You know? Well, uh, yeah, you know. I mean, someone made a good point to me one uh, one time. They were like, look, uh, audience are giving you the benefit by giving you their, their suspension of disbelief. Sure. Right? But they are only willing to give you so much sure. suspension of disbelief. So when you're writing stuff, you can't just try and say, no, a character is more important. I, as long as they care about my character, they won't care if my book is full of plot holes or you know, unfinished plots or threads or whatever. No, they will care because <laughs> yeah. they want to pay off. Yeah, but I'm now, like, plenty of people care about this, Mags. I'm sorry to tell you this and Scott Snyder this. Plenty of – look, I actually said to Chuck Dixon, you know what, Chuck? I still like a plot. <laughs> like you know, there's a guy who who knows how to plot a storyline, and he still has characters you care about. Like, why can't I have both? What 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 is this suddenly? Is this James Joyce's Ulysses stream of consciousness kind of thing, or, or what? You know, yeah, but this is not just her though. This is no. this is not just this this Mags. Yeah. Like, um, th- this is a problem with a lot of writers now. They are far more interested in the characters. Mm-hmm. 
you know, standing around having a conversation, talking about their feelings or or how hard done they are, than actual any plot in the story. And, and I don't mind a bit of dialogue either. Like I, 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 I like a no, bit but of you, dialogue. But you've got to balance it. You've got to balance it. You've got to have it, yeah. some sort of plot in your story that pushes totally agree, the characters forward. Well, otherwise, what are you doing? Uh, I've written three my, books. My famous reference, my fa- otherwise you will get an, uh, an issue of She-Hulk oh. for the entire fucking issue sitting around talking about her favourite cooking shows. Yeah, no thanks. No thank you. No thank you to defund the police. No thank you to fucking She-Hulk talking about her cooking shows all issue. Yeah, maybe, maybe you know, this is also a damning indictment of what Scott Snyder is yeah, teaching yeah. people. Yeah, because well, yeah. I'm sorry, character is important but plot pushes the characters forward. What's like, so that weird is, is fundamental writing. What's so weird is I've, I've read plenty of Scott Snyder stuff that's got, I mean, love him or hate him, reasonably strong plots. You know, like his American Vampire, a lot of his Batman run. Like, it's it's plotted. There's a, there's a storyline to Court of the Owls, you know? Yeah, but, yeah, but, this, but this, like, that's my point. Like, he's supposed to be a good writer, and this is what he's teaching them. And you've got J.J., who people claim is a good director, who, who also tells people in talks and all that, fucking mystery boxes yeah. just fill your movie with mystery boxes and i'm like what fuck are, you jj you, yeah but what are these people teaching yeah no, the no. new writers and 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 stuff and directors that is just terrible jj advice. if you're listening to this fuck you you know for for your mediocrity for your, for your <laughs> mediocre rise um you you were okay a couple of times and you've been so fucking average for so long and if I have to hear about your fucking mystery box one more time, I wish someone would bury you in a mystery box and we would never get the fucking answer. And, like, you know, you would just be gone forever. That would be great. Not a that, fan of that shit. If you disappeared, that would be one mystery I would happily remain unsolved. Yeah, I just... Like, because it's, it's almost like... Uh, if only they would realise that a little bit of that stuff goes a long way. You know what I mean? Like, a little bit of that is okay. There's no problems with a little bit of that. But... When you're like, oh, yeah, we can just mystery box Star Wars or we can just mystery box Indiana Jones or mystery box fucking anything, it's like, you know what? Like, what? what about yeah, look, I mean, mystery boxes are fine. Look, you could make a movie, right, where you have maybe a couple of plot threads or mystery boxes, as you like to call them, mm. that you, 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 uh, you use as a crumb. Yeah. As maybe a future reference. Now, look, fair enough. Maybe you don't get a second movie or a third movie, and so you can never resolve those. I'm fine with those. Mm-hmm. But if you say get your trilogy, yeah, and you have like literally not answered any yeah. of those mystery boxes or those uh, plot crumbs, yeah. then I'm sorry. That is unacceptable. Well, we just had Steve Engelhardt on the show, and he was very into like he, – he felt his story was done. He had all these different storylines, and you know he played around with them. And if you get cancelled on a title, I, okay, I get it. It can suck. You know, but but some of these people just don't get it, and she, and she was openly saying, "Rich, like, and and I and I don't believe I've ever read anything by her, and I felt her pitch for this um, slasher sort of comic was reasonably interesting." Now, I I know nothing about this um, woman other than what I heard on the show, but when she said, "You don't have to care about plot cohesion," my eyes, my eyebrows went up, Rich, and I was like, "That's your takeaway, okay." Yeah, that is just terrible. I'm like, yeah, okay, Scott Snyder. If he said that to me, I'd be like, you know what? I'm, I've I've written three novels, Scott, and I, let me tell you, plot's important. You know, it's important to have a plot, and I, and by no means am I saying I'm the master author of all time. But and that's something I'm consciously always working on: making your plots work, having interesting characters in interesting plots is kind of supposed to be the way it goes, in my opinion. 
Um, if I paid money for a guy to teach me writing, mm. and they said that, I would literally ask for my money back yeah. and leave the class. Yeah, but like, this is bullshit. He's like, yeah, it doesn't matter about plot cohesion on Batman. Fucking Batman readers around the world scream back, yes, it does. Mm. <laughs> like, fuck you. We, we care. You might not care, but we care. Um, just yeah. a very interesting comment from, and she's an odd personality, Rich, I'll tell you that much. She's, I, I don't know what's going on there, but there was some kind of weird sort of comments and she's got a kind of a sort of uh, she, axe to grind. This mags is a nutter. Yeah, she, she was a little odd, I, like, but I don't mind an oddball. I don't mind an oddball, frankly. And, and no. there was, a, you know, part of me when was you... like, give her a chance. But then when she was like, I don't know, some of the stuff I was like, I'm not sure about this mags, but. I will check when out you, her... When um, you tweet oh. things like... What? Every straight person should be smacked in the face with a baseball bat. Right. Uh, She's being hyperbolic, I, though, surely. Yeah, but again, that's what... what the, you, that, is what she gay? Is, like, everything. is she gay? Or... Trans, I think. Is she? Okay, I didn't even know that. Right, okay. Uh... Okay, and so she's got... Well, she seemed to have an axe to grind in general. It wasn't about that kind of stuff, but it was more about, like, you know, she... Look, I don't mind sort of a gunslinger. She seemed to be like a gunslinger. She was kind of throwing out hot takes, you know? More more so than normal for normal people on that show. So she I've was, got no problems with hot takes. I've got a... But I draw the line at any hot takes that involve uh, racism, sexism, whatever, pointed at an entire race or sex. Right, and is that her kind of common thing? Yeah. Okay. All right, look, I don't know thing about it. The only reason I even knew who she was is you've mentioned her name before, and it's a very distinctive name. So I was like, oh, this is this person Richard's talked about, and so I listened. I didn't mind everything she had to say. I, I thought she seemed relatively interesting, but maybe a little sort of... There might be a person that has interesting ideas, but... No way to write them out in any... What has she written? What has she actually written? Anything that I would know? Uh, Kim and Kim. She mentioned that. I've never heard of that, but she mentioned that. Yeah, Yeah, apparently it got a sci-fi deal, and I think it got cancelled halfway through the first season. She mentioned she had a a sci-fi show called Vagrant Ghost or something. Yeah, uh, they write a lot of... um, is it like sci-fi based stuff and all that, but it's all empty, hollow, right. <laughs> rubbish. Like honestly, it's it's yeah, just so it's, good. It's oh look, if you want to uh, punish yourself, I, I would recommend maybe just reading a issue or something. But I promise sure. you, after that issue, you will not want to read anymore. All right. Well, I'll give myself a job for next week. I'll read an issue of, of one of her stuff. I'll, I'll look at a Wikipedia and find it something. But I, I liked. Look, it's not really even her pitch. Like she she pitched Scream. She pitched, like, literally scream. She's like, here's my pitch for this horror thing. And she's like, um, in 86, this, um, she came out of Halloween 1 and, and having watched it recently, and she had the concept for this thing in general. She's like, my pitch is, like, uh, a girl survives a mass slaughter um, of her, like, friends and everything in a slasher attack. And... Her boyfriend, her boyfriend's boyfriend, I I think she said, Um, and like her brother and sister, I think, or mother or something as well, like a whole heap of people that were close to her died. Fifteen years go by, the um, events are put into a movie, and the and the guy who created the who did the murders, 
is kind of a character now who's like sold on like Funko Pops and all that kind of thing. And so for 15 years, this girl's had to live with this movie series. And in my brain, I'm thinking, that's Scream, you know? Like, that's, you're pitching Scream. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, Probably doesn't even realise. You're, you're pitching Scream mixed with Halloween, which you were just watching. Like, it's, I was like, you're pitching, you're almost pitching Halloween after coming out of Halloween. Like, but anyway, you're pitching, <laughs> you're pitching Scream. And then and John Suntras very politely is like, oh, yeah, like, uh, have you heard of Scream? And she's like, I've never watched it. Um, yeah, yeah, that's what everyone says who's stolen Yeah, I'm idea. like, you've never watched it? Okay, you, you've just pitched it, though. Um, you've pitched Scream 3 and 4 very successfully. Yeah. Well, you've, just, you've combined all the screams into one. <laughs> yeah, I <don't> know. <laughs> yeah, I was like, but, but also it was like, so I came out of Halloween with this pitch for this girl who just survived an ordeal. I'm like, so you're pitching Halloween. Wait. Which Halloween? The, the most recent Halloween? No, the, she about the, she she the original. Like she, nah, she went, bullshit. She went back to the original Halloween. Bullshit. That's what she did. Yeah, she... No, 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 no. Yeah. I'm saying her story's bullshit. Right, yeah. Uh, look, anyway. So, my point at the end of the story was, as someone who likes slasher stuff, look, I want to do Hack Slash on the show soon. Um, I was interested, at least, in her idea. And I would actually check that out, just because, why not, you know? But in terms of, like, anything she's done that I would know, I mean, Kim and Kim, I've never heard of it until she mentioned it. Um, is there anything, like, mainstream? Like, is there, a, like, Batman or something or Batgirl or something? Like, has she done no, any Big so. Two stuff or not? No, she's done a Big Two person. Uh, she may have done I don't know. Something. Anyway, well, I'll have a look. I'll have a look. But all I will say is that she seems an oddball. I'll tell you that much. Um, now, Joshua Williamson is doing a World of Krypton title with Mike and Avon Oming, um, who was on the show, the podcast as well, um, doing the drawing. So, Joshua Williamson doing World of Krypton, Rich, what do you think? Like, you know, the classic sort of World of Krypton. Uh... You know, like it's like Krypton before it explodes. Like, Byrne did it, you know, Elliot Magan did it. Are you interested in going back? Not really. No. What about when he said? Why would, but why would I care? Well, it's the Krypton before it exploded. Like they used but to. Why do would all the I time. care? Why? Why not? Well, what's so interesting <laughs> about Krypton before it exploded? Oh, plenty of shit went out when was Krypton was cool before it exploded. Are you kidding? Was it Krypton? Yeah, they did heaps of stuff with Krypton back in the day. Okay. Was, they've done World of Krypton stories, man. Like back in the Bronze Age, that were pretty cool. Like, and Superman used to go back to Krypton as well, like when he would go through time and everything. Actually, uh, Krypton is probably my least favorite thing in the Superman stuff anyway. Jesus. Richard, how can we always seem to stumble upon your least favorite thing? When are we going to get to your most favorite thing? Because I feel like that Krypton (laughs) thing is is so stupid. Okay. (laughs) It blew up. You're glad it blew up. You're glad it blew up, aren't you? No, no, his planet blew up, it's gone. Stop fucking going back to it. Stop trying to come up with stories. I like going back to how it. How can we get Superman onto Krypton? And, oh, we'll have him meet his parents and, <laughs> and fall in love with a woman and uh, multiple times, multiple times. Oh, oh, you know what? Oh, let's actually go and tell people about Krypton with no heroes. That's pretty boring. Everyone seems to be happy. And so, like, I'm so, I just, I care more about Superman in Metropolis, Lex Luthor. I don't, I just want to say, I just don't give a fuck about Krypton. Wow, it's so bitter, Rich. Like, what? What did something happen to you as a child that you no, don't care I just, about? I Krypton? think it's. I. You don't I, want to return to Krypton, do you? 
No, I don't care. It's gone. It's blown up. Move on. Well, forget about it. People like me enjoy Krypton, Richard. And because we keep bringing Krypton back, we now in fucking recent <laughs> Superman books have had his father come back. <laughs> yeah, that was as Paul. Mr. Oz. Was he? We can't let go of Krypton. What was he, Mr. Oz? Yeah. Well, that's that's not a strong moment for um for DC but it's Comics. You keep wanting to fucking go into that Krypton well, man. Just let it go. Well, what about this? Would this next part make you feel any better? Apparently, <laughs> Joshua Williamson's take on it is not based on, ironically, the world of Krypton, but more the characters of Krypton. I don't know what that means. I, I don't care. <laughs> I don't, I don't know what that actually means. We're doing World of Krypton, but we don't care about the world. We care about the characters. It's like, okay, so what are I we don't doing? Need to, I don't need to see the love life before he became Superman's villain or you, whatever. You I, don't want you to know? be. You don't want to be in the council chamber again with Jor El saying it's going to blow no, up and they ignore I him. Don't want to, I don't want to be bored again. You don't want to. You don't want the sort of like lengthy. Like romance between Jorel and Lara, and and Zod's in the background causing trouble, and yada yada yada. Maybe Lobo will come in. Rich. Exactly, yada yada yada. Well, well, do you think there's any room for Lobo in this story? Why not? Apparently, they had him on that stupid they Krypton did. show. I watched it. I actually watched those episodes, and I, and I might have been the only guy in the world who was actually pumped for the Lobo TV show before that got cancelled. And 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 actually. There was a funny moment. I, I'm sitting on the internet, like it's like about one a.m. and I'm and I'm all excited for Lobo TV show, and I've watched all the episodes. and, and believe you me, it was a trial. And then it came across the the teletext. Lobo show was cancelled. My little head went down. I was like, I watched all these shit episodes of this show. It just and then everyone else breathed the sigh. Everyone, yeah, everyone else, everyone else. No one fucking cared. There was no heat on the show. There was just me googling it. Like, is a Lobo TV show still happening? Um, yeah, it was a pretty sad day for Dave. Now, okay, in the now, Richard, full disclosure, I never watched an episode of this show, Babylon Five. There's a reboot in development uh, at the CW of all places. Original creator J. Michael Straczynski is involved. Did you watch the original, Rich? That's my first question. Um, bits and pieces of it. I don't think I ever got like fully, fully involved. In was it? it was it any good? Is my second question. It's got its fans, that's for sure. I mean, it it, it stuck around for a few years, and um, uh, it certainly, yeah, it's got its fans. Okay, um, I, I, I had always, a friend. I, to be fair, I always just thought of it as like you know, just a yeah, you know, like a knockoff Star Trek or whatever. Yeah. But you know, people have said it is a little bit different. Uh, mm. It has its own thing. But as I said, um, I just thought it was interesting that it's CW. Yes, I mean CW is not exactly known for their. Well, I my only memories intellectual of the intellectual sci-fi shows. My only memories of the original was I was very stoned, and it would be on, and I would think, "Fuck, this looks cheesy as fuck," and turn it off. Like, but I was also really stoned, and sometimes when you were really stoned back in the nineties, you get very critical of things. And oh, I, I was thinking, I thought you would get less critical. No, 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 I used to just go, "This looks so shit." Like, but I had a friend, a good friend, who was a massive. Babylon 5 fan like I know and, and he had other friends who were just it was just kind of the other side of the street to me and I just ne I never gave it a chance and I, I I know J. Michael Straczynski's work quite well in comics and, and like a lot of his work and not all but I, I like a lot of J. Michael Straczynski's work in comics so I I would give this a chance but I don't see this as a CW property because this was more gritty 
sort of this was kind of more stoner sort of. Let's well, that's get what I said. I, if you said they were going to do reboot, I might I might go. You know what? Maybe I'll check it out this time. You know, because I never got onto the original the wagon the first time. But then when you tell me that it's been made for the CW, then I'm kind of like, oh, maybe I won't. Because <laughs> I'm like. CW's known more for its obviously drama, you know, dad, you're so mean, <laughs> mom, you don't understand me, my boyfriend's cheating on me, you know, that sort of shit. I'm in love with this person who's in yeah, love with that I'm, person. Yeah, I'm in love with your grandfather, all that sort of crap. Like, yeah, it's, uh, I just, I'm like, is that what the show's going to be? Like, now, again, that Straczynski is supposed to be involved, but it's still weird to me that it's been developed for the CW. It's just really it is, odd. It is, it is odd. I, I agree. It is, it is odd, and I'm not sure what to make of it. Now, apparently, though, he's heavily involved. Um, he's writing the pilot. It hasn't been picked up yet. It's just in active development. And I did notice he had to put a thing out on his Twitter because there are a lot of fans of this stuff, man. Like, he's got significant fan base mm. of Babylon 5 guys and gals who were... um tweeting him like all these show suggestions and he had to be like listen i can't take any of your suggestions like stop fucking texting me and fucking mailing me and tweeting me your fucking show you know fucking script outlines because i can't legally take any of this stuff so stop it please and also the problem with doing that is if he does something similar he can be accused of copy taking someone's idea and in fairness to him he was friendly when he did it like this is a guy I think he's a complicated cat, to be honest, from what I've seen with this guy. he's He had a very tough upbringing, and he's done very well for himself. But, I mean, I actually saw him at New York Comic Con. I saw him give a um, speech. I remember I was there. And it, it was brought up then. People were asking him about Babylon 5. I'd say half the questions were Babylon 5 questions. That people no, as asked. I said, it's got a fairly big following. Yeah. Anyway, it's interesting. At least he's involved with his own creation as well. I like that. That's not true, just true. farmed out to someone else. Um, what, Warner Brothers confirmed that Wonder Woman 3 will star Gal Gadot and be directed by Patty Jenkins. Rich, are you happy? I'm indifferent. Indifferent. Apathetic. The land of apathy. Well, I mean, I'm kind of in the middle because the first movie was pretty good and the second movie was pretty bad, so... Yeah. I'm stuck in the middle. Stuck in the middle with you. Um, yeah, no, I don't know how I feel other than... Look, I didn't hate Wonder Woman 84 as much as some people, but I watched it a second time with Michelle, and I did. I saw a lot more of its weaknesses, you know? Um, I almost just want Wonder Woman in the Just League, and I just want a Just League movie. I've got to be honest with you there. That, I know, fuck, I know Wonder Woman fans will shoot me down. I, I quite like her, but sometimes I, I like her to be part of the gang, you know? Like, give me a proper well, Just League movie. Look, I mean, okay, so... Here's the problem that Wonder Woman has, which is sometimes not always shared with Thor, okay, is it's it's a very difficult character because obviously the the background is obviously ancient Greek and all that sort of stuff, right? But, Mm -hmm. um, you know, unless you're going to like really delve into that, go over the top and make it very fantastical, Mm um, See, uh, the the problem is, is when you take a character like her or Thor, but, but you bring them into the superhero world. Sure. Because then you, a lot of people tend to write them like superheroes when they're not. Right. Yeah. You know, it's the same issue. It's like the problem with Green Lantern, and I think one of the reasons why Jeff Johns' run was so good is that he didn't treat the Green Lantern book like a superhero book. It Did was big galactic wars, true. battles, you know what I mean? And so that's the thing. Yes, Green Lantern can be there to help with 
you know, the big events, the big, you know, um, crises and all that sort of stuff. But he's an intergalactic cop. He needs to be dealing with larger than life. Space sector, is it 2284, Rich? Is that right? I'm close, am I? No, 2184. Oh, oh, Jesus, fuck, I was close. Like, okay, so, yeah, anyway. Oh, no, sorry, 2814. 2184. That's the same thing, 2184. No, 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 2814. 2814. 2814. I'm getting myself mixed up. 2814. All right. That's funny. But you know what I mean? And that's the problem with Wonder Woman is that she is an Amazon from, you know, like ancient Greece and all that. Well, her origin is one of her biggest weaknesses, like always has been. Yeah, yeah, but that's my point. So the problem is is that, like, uh, when you write, you know, when you put her with, like, 1984 where it's you, she's more, like – the, the reason I think the first movie was so good is here you've got a warrior in a war. Mm. Yes, it's yeah. a war she doesn't understand. Sure. But it's a war nonetheless. And then in 1984, now you've got to make kind of be like a superhero. Mm. And again, it's it's um, it's hard. I think that is why a lot of people like the Thor Ragnarok is that it's not about superheroes. No, you know what I mean? It's not like about a space adventure. Yeah, it's not about saving Earth or whatever. It's literally about you know uh, saving his own planet yeah. Yeah. from other space or you know gods and all that. And so, I think that's what you've got to delve into. I think she should have maybe dealt with something a little bit more grander. Mm. Yeah, no, and, I, I get your point. Like, yeah, they definitely took a risk in Wonder Woman eighty four, which probably didn't fully pay off um, at all. I, I didn't hate it, but I, there were definitely issues with it though. Like, um, that's what I said. Sure. That first Green Lantern movie they made, the reason it was so bad, mm. not wasn't also some of the design choices, but they should have had him like the, almost the whole time on another planet or in space. Right. Yeah. They should not have had him on earth and, you know, uh, almost like kind of being a superhero. Like he should have been, training and dealing with a, a, a crisis mm. in space as a rookie. Mm. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I hear you, man. That's interesting. That's a very interesting take. Like, yeah, it would have been better, but it's almost like they in Green Lantern, and I don't remember the movie that well, they tried to sort of do a bit of everything. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and that could have been part of the problem. I, I don't know. I just feel that, like, if I was directing a Wonder Woman movie or if I was writing a Wonder Woman movie... I would, I think she works quite well when she's, you, I'd probably pair her with someone else as well. Um, and I, I think I would probably go a bit more possibly gal- galactic or high stakes. I wouldn't go kind of comedy because I think that's a mistake. Um, I would I would probably pair her with a Batman or potentially a Superman or Green Lantern. I'd give a sort of almost a buddy cop feel. I, I, I almost feel she's part of, you know, a good two-hander with Wonder Woman. There's, 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 she's the star of the story, but I, I would sort of utilise some of the other DC stuff, DC stuff around her, is what I'm trying to say. Well, I, yeah, I, 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 that could be done. But as I said, another thing is, as I said, Green Lantern should be protecting Earth from intergalactic threats, not sure. Earth street thugs. And Wonder Woman should be protecting earth and humanity from ancient greek threats threats that are re-emerging or all oh, right or, so you want you sort know, of like the yeah the yeah you're like she's and that's fighting what the whole like thing was like oh she can never go back to them no that's fucking stupid that's where she should be you know that that should be her base of operations where she's keeping an eye on uh the other gods and uh, i don't mind her fighting 
normal, I don't know, did she, in the normal comics, she fights fucking everything. Yeah, but again, but that's great. Okay, so if you look at, say, like Wonder Woman and um, Green Lantern, right? They do not really have memorable villains. She's got Cheetah, she's got the Dr. Psycho, um, and various others that I can't think of. But, like, you can have a fighting Dark Side, for example. Why not? No, the new gods. Yeah, yeah but, but that's my point. It's a god. She's yeah. protecting the world from bigger, larger threats. That's why I say, okay, look at Batman. And you look at um, sure. uh, Flash, right? Yep. They are crime fighters. They're both like you know, yeah. you know once friends or whatever. And if you look at the, the one of the reasons they the the rogues gallery is very memorable mm. is because that's the level that those characters are on. They are dealing with criminals. Yes. With with theft and all that, and so their characters fit that, and their rogues fit them. Yes. Superman, if you look at it, most of his memorable villains, other mm. than Lex Luthor, mm. are the more bigger uh, threats. Mm. Right? Whether it be um, uh, Brainiac, again, Darkseid. Because, um, uh, I mean, you've got Metallo and all that, but, I mean... Good stuff. They, they don't really feel like much... Yeah, Toy but Man. those characters don't feel like much threat. You've got Doomsday. Like, a lot of his memorable villains are your larger-than-life villains. Oh, what's the one that... um. What's the fucking guy who's the cowboy? Te- it's like Techno Rider or something. It's the one that um, yeah. Carrie Bates came up with. I'll, I'll, I'll no, don't get me wrong. I mean, Superman's got some bad ones as well, but I'm just saying he still has those memorable big villains. Oh, Superman's got some great iconic villains. Now, again, yeah. who's the memorable villains for like Wonder Woman and Green Lantern? It's generally those bigger, larger-than-life mm. villains. Like, again, Cheetah fits in with that mythology. She's a yeah. ancient spirit god whatever it fits in with that mythos yeah for sure you know so i'm just saying like lean into the character but couldn't you strength. have couldn't you what about this though rich because this is what i would do i would have her fighting like I know, i'm plucking a name at random like black adam i would have someone like that she's fighting someone like that so as long as it's something larger than than, than life some big threat Mm. Or a character that is equal to sort of her level. I don't mean to sound nasty, but you know Maxwell Lord, not exactly. Yeah. You know uh, the the you know the global threat. Like I mean, again, in the first movie, whether you like it or not, she's trying to save humanity from war and Ares, mm. who she believes is responsible. That's that's a larger than life threat or larger than life villain or character. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. That is my opinion. I think oh, you're your, 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 your villains and all that should should lend themselves more to your you as a character and not just be like your oh i'll just give them common thug villains that rob banks and i'm like no one cares yeah yeah true i mean yeah yeah there's a power discrepancy there like wonder Woman with all her powers i think you've got to ramp it up more than more than ramp it down um i don't know it's just Hopefully they'll do a good third movie because often a sequel can be challenging and a third movie can be strong, you know? Like, okay, you know what would have been a really good movie for Woman in 1984? And I just thought of it now. And you could still call it Woman 1984. Imagine if she's like, remember she had the um, the secret identity, right? She's like a art appraiser. Yeah, or, something like that. So imagine if she was, say, like on an expedition with uh, Barbara mm-hmm. and they were finding like, you know, the Mayan... Yeah. stuff and, and Aztec shit and all that sort of stuff and they're be, becoming friends and all that and then her friend gets taken over by the cheetah mm-hmm. and the cheetah's going to unleash this Aztec god mm. that's going to consume the world that could have been a far more interesting story with them like 100%. in the 
you know, South American jungles and shit and uh, oh, raced yeah. against the clock to stop this god and stuff. Heaps I just better. think that could have been so much more interesting. Heaps better. Well, that's more of a classic story than, like, what was supposed to be, like, a real homage to the 80s kind of thing, you know? Mm. Like, a, it was kind of trying to dial into that 80s nostalgia, which it felt very sort of like, um, I don't know what the word is, exploiting. Oh, well, yeah, tacked on, exploitive, lazy... Yeah. Yeah, all those words, Rich, all those words. Now, Will Smith <laughs> is more than willing to come back to the DC... Do I really have to call it the DC Extended Universe? As well, that's what they call it. Wow. As anti-hero sharpshooter Deadshot. So has Will Smith said this? He's willing to come back and uh, if they pay him enough money, I so assume. There was an interview where he thought that they had replaced him with um, Edris Elba. And then he was told by someone, no, 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 that's an actual different, completely different character. And then he was like, oh... Great, that means I can come back as Deadshot. Okay. Um, so, again, it's nothing yeah. official, but he has obviously shown some interest in coming back as that character in some Yeah, capacity. well, I mean, it always it always pays to keep the door open a little bit, doesn't it, in Hollywood, you know? Hey, well, to be fair, at his age, whether a movie's shit or not, he's getting paid. Exactly, yeah. He doesn't really... He's done his dues. I mean, yeah. he's, he's famous. It's not going to change because he's in a bad movie. Yeah, definitely. Um, Ridley Scott provided an update on Gladiator 2, saying the script is at being actively written and will be ready to go into production relatively soon. I, stupidly, when I read this, I actually thought, isn't he dead? But I realised it was Richard Donner who died, and I had the two confused in my brain because they're similar ages. Um, yeah, I mean, Ridley Scott is an elderly gentleman. It's it, you know, God bless him for continuing to work. Okay. I mean, God bless him, but, I mean... What, what I, wish you, I wish it was something more original than a sequel to a movie that doesn't need a sequel. Yeah, well, I love the original Gladiator, man. It's one of my favorite. Hey, look, if you want to make some, if you want to make another Roman movie, go ahead. But I, yeah. do you yeah. have to tie it to the Gladiator thing? Well, how, because... how tight can it be? What an illegitimate son or something? A son, of Gladiator. Well, that's why I'm sure you'll find some fucking weird, stupid way to tack it on. But I don't care. No, just there's just care. so many times. What I don't understand. There's certain movies I'm okay with a sequel. They make sense. You're like, of course. I mean, that that, that you would make a sequel to that. But then something like Gladiator is just such a perfect... No, I agree. Um, I, I wish you would just movie. make another Roman movie, you know? Exactly. If you want to make another Roman movie, make a Roman movie and then call it something else. Richard, how like... about this? Attila. Yeah, yeah, sure. Hell yeah. What about this? The Fall of Rome. Yeah. Dude, there's so many fucking good Roman stuff you could do. There's so many points in that Roman history that you can do. I don't know why you would try and limit yourself to that exact... I've got a question for you, something my sister and I used to go back and forth on. During the height of the Roman Empire, if aliens had invaded, do you believe they could have repelled the invasion? The Roman Empire, uh, at its peak? No. No. Well... Sad day for Rome. I mean, if some weird god plucked up aliens from a planet and just shoved them there and they were of equal, sure. But, I mean, if they've built, if they've conquered space sure, and have built spaceships, no. <laughs> like, Sadly not. No. That would be like saying, do you think that uh, the, the cavemen could beat uh, the, the U.S. armed forces? Yeah, no. Sure. sure. But the Roman Empire is glorious and, and long may it live in memory, you know? Uh, and I raise a fist as I say it too, because I'm a big fan of the Roman oh, Empire. Oh, yeah. I mean, of its time, it was yeah. the, the the leading power in terms of you know uh, government, uh, army, uh, everything, culture, yeah, culture, everything. yeah, everything. It, it influenced pretty much most of the 
European wilderness. I really want to do my book about a guy who travels from Rome to China on the Silk Road uh, back in ancient times. Um, I've kind of got a whole a story idea about that, frankly. An assassin. Why not? Oh, it's happening, man. Believe you me. Um, now, there was a Sandman teaser, Rich. Did you get a chance to see this? Uh, I did not. No, neither did I. Uh, it was, it's not on my radar, if I'm being honest. Uh, it is slightly on my radar. Adam, the computer, mentioned it to me, and he said it looked pretty good. Um, if any listeners have seen Sandman teaser, tell us how excited you are for the show, because I, I'm, I'm sort of like, I'm worried about it, frankly, because I love the comic you, so much. You look warm. Well, I love the comic so much, but nothing that they say makes me, fills me with any hope. I just feel like they're going to bungle this. I've just got a feeling like they're going to bungle it, you know? Um, I don't know. I just don't have any faith in them. Like, like why The Last Man I'm enjoying, but I, I honestly don't think it's as good as the comic, you know? Well, I mean, okay, here's the thing. I think it's far easier to enjoy something that you have no knowledge of, yeah. you know? Like, you know, uh, I, when I originally, originally watched the Harry Potter movies back in the day when they came out, because uh, my girlfriend at the time, like, really was into Harry Potter. Yep. I really enjoyed the movies, but then she would always be like, oh, that didn't happen, or yeah. that was different in the book. And I'm just like, oh, I enjoyed it. But, you know, and she would kind of get a little bit annoyed. But <laughs> but that's it's easy for me to say because I don't have the reference. I'm sure. not invested in the books that I've read. And, I mean, that's always the, the thing when they adapt anything is, let's be honest, I can't think of – there's no adaption that's better than the source material. Mm. I mean, if, if the source material is super popular and well-regarded is my point. Sure. You know, Lord of the um, Rings. Lord of the Rings. Go close. No, no, no. But I mean, would you say it's better than the books? No. Yeah, I mean, it's good, but yeah. I, I, it's very rarely that something is better than the source material. As in, like far superior. So look, think I think it's uh, it's it's much easier to go into something if you have no uh, sort of frame of reference. Yeah, yeah. The Men in Black movies were apparently all based on a very unknown comic book. Yeah, that we we discussed that with uh, Steve Englehart. That's from the the Malibu okay, uh, well, line of books. You would dare say that the the movies made much more of an impact. Uh sure, but they not a they not a one for one sure um, adaptation of the books. They've used the books as starting point, a start like source material or starting point, but they kind of made their own thing. Yeah, no, I hear, man. You know, like an adaptation is different. Like why the last man is an adaptation of a. Let's, it's sort of a book. It's a graphic novel, but let's just say a book. Harry yeah. Potter is an adaptation of a book. Yeah. So in, in those cases, as I said, you can get far more enjoyment if you don't actually have any frame of reference. So. Yeah, I remember when the original Lord of the Rings movies came out that some of my friends were really bent out of shape by them, but I actually enjoyed them. I thought they were actually pretty damn good renditions. Yeah, you know? and look, and the thing is a lot of people get bent out of shape for is also sometimes because it's two different mediums. That's it. Yeah. Sometimes you have to make changes because you go, look, that's a book, that's a novel. You can, you can say that or do that or whatever, but this is this is a movie. It works very differently. Yeah, no, I hear you, man. No, it's 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 interesting. Now, Richard, we have something. Uh, uh, do, would you like the spoiler post credit scene of Venom Two? Because Adam the computer has seen it. Sure, give it would to me. Would you be interested? Okay, so. Spoilers, kids, if you're listening out there, this is the post credit scene in Venom 2, which I will 100% be watching. So this is Adam's um, comment. 
he said, do you want me to spoil it? I said, yeah, man, do it. He's like, so from what I saw, it wasn't so phenomenal in execution, but cool implication. <coughs> Eddie Brock is sitting in a hotel, and the spider says how he can exist in the multiverse. He phases them into the MCU, and Brock sees Tom Holland on the TV as Spidey. The end. That's it. Mm. So, I mean, I think that's relatively interesting. You know? Like, it's not... Not not interesting. I, I'm sort of like that. Sounds pretty cool to me. So he's 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 been yanked into yes yes exactly. The the symbiote has has taken him through. Hmm. In in this version, what do you say, Rich? Um, I get the point. You don't get the point. Well, here's the thing. Um, Venom started off as a Spider-Man villain. But he's not a villain. He's a hero from from the get-go in these movies. So I'm not quite sure of the point of having him... I mean, what, are they going to team up together? Yeah, and... but, like, he's a hero, but he's still a bit of a bad egg. Like, he still likes to eat Yeah, but not... No, but, like, Venom Venom was pretty... In the original. Yeah. So, I, as I said, I mean, if you were bringing him in to sort of be, you know, the villain, sure. But I don't know. I mean, it depends on the execution. I just, I, I just don't see it. Like, yeah, I quite like that idea. Though. From, I, I just think from that's... that, I'm like, why? Like, he's not going to be an antagonist for him, is he? I think he will be. I think he mm. will be. You know, but anyway, that that was just uh, that was just an item. Now, Bleeding Cool understands that many comic publishers have received calls stating they cannot print new collections, large format books, or special items this year. The numbers are being requested to be printed need to be reduced, and release dates need to be pushed back further. One publisher told Bleeding Cool that they feel like they are a month or so from such restrictions having an impact on saddle stitch books, which are standard comic books with staples, so the floppies, basically. Um, Rich, do you think this is an issue that's, that's going to bubble to the surface? Um, collections, man. The bread and butter of Dave's collection. Collections themselves, you know? But uh, I'm, I'm just confused as to... So, yeah, I mean, but Printing crisis, the, man. Printing crisis due to COVID. Yeah, supply but I mean, line, it's, supply chain. it's reduced, not... There's no cancelling, correct? They're going to have to... Supposedly, they're shifting back a lot of books. I'm just hoping that my question omnibus and my uh, Brave in the Bowl Volume 3 omnibus make it out. I mean, what do you think about that, Rich? Do you think there's any chance that they could reduce the Batman? I hope not. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, it's... Well, it's a concern. I don't, I don't quite get how you can have a, a a printing shortage. Well, it's it's the suppliers that they're, they're struggling with COVID. The supply chains are struggling, basically, due to COVID restrictions, all that kind of shit. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, yeah, things will be a bit delayed or anything, but I mean, yeah. that's that's with everything the world but, over. But Rich, I mean, that not, means my. Sure but classic. Richard, you're all missing the point. This means my Batman Brave and the Bold oh, omnibus okay, will be sorry. delayed. I forgot, I forgot to look at it solely from your... Yes, and my question omnibus, when which you... is, is going to be delayed, Rich. There are some real issues here that we're trying to get to the bottom of. Oh, yeah, because yeah. I mean, you, you've read every book you've bought, and, and well, so you need something new to read, right? Well, I need to get through two omnibuses of Batman Brave and the Bold before I get to Volume 3, so <laughs> maybe, maybe I could wait a little bit, but, you, you know... Um, Little, little bit, little, little bit out of, been out of shape about the whole thing. I mean, maybe they can. I mean, am I the only guy going to say this? But maybe they can just focus on Big Two, 
and maybe some of this other shit can you know take a sideline. Um, uh, look, I'm sure they'll probably just focus on the definitely the stuff that sells, which would yeah. be obviously your Batman and yeah. and Good. Superman and all that sort of stuff. I'm sure if there's any like sort of maybe smaller characters, they'll definitely be pushed. Good. Uh, push back. Um, I'm like, I'm like, good. Oh, fuck, finally. Um, yeah, okay. Look, it's just a news item. We'll stay on the story though. But if anyone has any, you know, more knowledge of this, I want to let people know that that I don't fucking sleep on a story. Um, I asked Steve Engelhart some pretty, I, I thought penetrating questions. I got some great responses. And if you guys are out there in the field on the supply chain, if you want to give me some inside gossip, uh, signal to doom at gmail.com or send me a Facebook message under my own name or the Facebook page, signal to doom. It'll get to me. I handle the social media and I take it very seriously, don't I, Rich? I mean, I... Yes. Me with a story, nothing, I'm, nothing's happy. I'm, all, I'm my happiest when I'm trying to break a story. And, um, yeah. Now, by the way, it looks like IDW won't be doing young reader titles for Marvel or Star Wars in the coming future. I thought they'd be doing a lot of these, Rich. I've been seeing a lot of these in the solicits. They have, but apparently that will be... Well, the rumour is that that's going to be coming to an end. Um, right. Uh, it looks like um, Disney or whoever is sort of moving away from it or something. So what, it'll go back to Marvel? Or they just won't be doing those sort of... Oh, right, they actually, yeah, I see, well, which tells me the sales might not have been there. Okay. No, well, as I said, like, uh, again, we, we keep having this, like, um, uh, conversation, yeah. is that um, I, don't, the young, I don't think the young kids are reading these comics. Right. Well, that's what you I'm know, saying, the I, sales aren't Yeah, there. no, no, that's yeah. what I'm saying. Like, if, if you want any more proof that the younger kids are reading manga or... On or, or something else, mm. look no further than the fact that the young reader lines at IDW, which are big franchises, it's yeah. all the Marvel stuff and all the Star Wars stuff, supposed to be massive big franchises, are not selling to the point where Disney's like, fucking can it, get rid yeah. of it, stop wow. printing it. Like, Yeah, it seems big. When I read the story, I thought it must have meant Marvel were going to be taking it over. But yeah, I mean, that's, yeah, it's a big, it's... That's an issue if, if, if the young reader lines aren't picking up. I mean, I'll be honest, I, I, not that I'm following it that closely, but it doesn't seem to have been... There's been no real heat on them or any waves of it. They've just been kind of putting them out there. And maybe younger audiences just aren't connecting with the sequels the way they did with the prequels, you know? Oh, definitely. Yeah, like, and that's that's interesting, isn't it? Like, I don't know. I don't know what the answer well, is. Here, okay, so here's the thing. Okay, so... One of the reasons why I think the the the, the Legends EU, as they call it now, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, did so well is that they understood that at your core, at your base, you had to sort of have Luke Han Leia, right? Sure. So they had lots of stories that sort of continued from uh, Return of the Jedi, you know, and kept telling their story. Mm-hmm. But because people were getting that, you know, they were getting these good, okay, not all of them were good, but relatively mostly good stories they could then also do other things like yeah. create new characters star wars and, legacy for example oh no, not not just star wars legacy but i mean actually make new uh new titles new books covering different characters yeah, yeah. because your core as i said you always have to have a foundation yeah your foundation needs to be solid the problem is they've kind of ruined the original sort of characters with these sequels oh yeah 
as such. And so there is no actual solid base to, to, to build anything on. You're kind of building on sand. And, and so no one really cares about the the High Republic or Dr. Afro and all that sort of shit because there is no good um, Luke Han or Leia book out. Do you know what yeah. I mean? There is no original character book that isn't set in between fucking episode four and five. <laughs> yeah. The five seconds between, yeah. Like, you know, like, I'm sorry, if your books are, if you've told these movies, right, between six and seven, mm-hmm. how yeah. come you're not touching on that era? Yeah, I don't know. That's weird. Why are you not telling a... stories now? Why are you telling me stories between uh, movies four and five? I don't know why. Because they just can't really make their minds up what they're doing, I guess. That's, the, that's their... Because they've their... ruined the characters that they don't want to touch that in-between period because you know where it leads. Yeah, sure. Very so say, I, I just don't places. think those books are selling well, unfortunately. and so. Right, so it's a more of a sales thing. It's not Disney kind of taking it back under the Marvel banner, which is what I thought. You're, you're saying it's more of a sales thing. No, I, yeah, I think they're actually like, nope, no. this is not this is not worth the 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 money. Like, okay. this is not worth the expenditure. Fair enough. Now, I had some news here. Um, Square Enix and Xbox announced that Marvel's Avengers is coming to Xbox Games Pass on September thirty. Um, so it's that, already there. That game's doing so well. It, that game is just apparently trash, isn't it? It's, it's a dumpster dead. fire. Yeah. You know that game is dead if it's already coming to. Uh, uh, games pass games pass yeah true i don't have any inclination to p- play it at all like look uh, here's here's the thing if a game comes on game pass day one mm. those people got paid uh, they got a good deal from xbox yeah if a game that's supposed to be you know like a, a long lasting you know game yeah uh that's supposed to be doing well comes to a game pass after a couple of months that game's fucking that game is in trouble. Yeah. No, there's been... Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I just think it just sounds stupid. And is Ms. Marvel the main character? Like, fuck that. Like, in, the sto- in the story mode, yes. No, thank you. Um, uh, Super Mario Brothers star John Leguizamo has strong feelings on the new Mario movie. Uh, did you see this, Rich? That apparently... I, what is that? Chris Pratt's playing Mario? It's Chris Pratt playing Mario. It's... Um... He's playing Luigi. Damos Seth Rogen playing Donkey Kong. Okay. Um, Animated, right? And Jack Black was playing Bowser. Is it yeah, animated? Yeah, of course it'd be animated. No, yeah. it'd definitely be animated. Okay, right. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think Seth Rogen is going to dress up in a monkey, <laughs> in, a, in a gorilla suit. <laughs> I was just trying to work out, like, well, what's going on? Okay, right. So he's voicing... It'll probably be a 3D animated one to look like the game, I would imagine, since they've right. never really done that yet. And he, John Leguizamo is very unhappy, apparently. Mm, Super mm. unhappy, because he was in the original, wasn't he? Yeah, he didn't seem to be that unhappy, though, when uh, <laughs> uh, Mario was played by a British Bob, white guy Bob, when Bob he Hoskins. was in the movie. So, yeah. Bob, Bob Hoskins had a good run, actually. Yeah, I don't remember him being Italian, though. No, British. I could be, I could be wrong. I could be wrong. Yeah, no, pretty much British, I would say. Uh, I used to like Bob Hoskins back in the day. Yeah, um, look, at the end of the day, you're they're hiring these people for their voices and their name. You know, yeah. I, I'm I'm really sorry, John, that that hurts your but, feelings. But is Chris but... Pratt going to do like an Italian accent? That'll be. Oh, nice. I, I don't look. I don't think they're going to do the. I don't think they're going to go out and make it offensive. I think Donkey Kong will sound like Seth Rogen. Mario will sound like Chris Pratt. 
Right. Okay. And so on and so on. They because you're hiring these actors because they known actors. You want people to hear their voices. Right. Yep. I hear, man. Who Otherwise, play- you would have hired actual voice actors who could put on voice. Who's playing Princess Peach? Shit, I don't remember. Okay. All right, but someone is. Now, speaking of blasts from the past, Zoolander director and star Ben Stiller has revealed the cast of the classic 20, 2001 uh, comedy, Zoolander, nearly looked very different. Jake Gyllenhaal was almost cast as Hansel, which was played by um, Owen Wilson, and Andy Dick was supposed to play Maguatu instead of Will Ferrell. Well, thank God Will Ferrell played him, because he was hilarious, as was Owen Wilson. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I loved that movie, dude, when it came out. I thought that was one of the funniest fucking movies back in the day. Did you like Zoolander? Uh, yeah, yeah, the first one. Yeah, yeah, the first oh, one. Oh, God, yeah, the first one is fucking brilliant. The first yeah, one is just, right. is, is perfection, actually. Yeah, no, the second one was awful. Like, I, I don't... You know what, it wasn't awful, it was dog shit. Yeah, I just don't ever remember it at all. Um, we have some Dungeons & Dragons news, Rich. Uh, they're bringing back another classic campaign setting. Um, plans are in the works to revisit a third classic campaign setting in 2023. This is in addition to new, two new campaign settings planned for 2022, both of which will appear in new formats that will likely not be traditional campaign setting rulebooks. Blah, blah, blah. So the first of these products was Van Richen's Guide to Ravenloft, which came out earlier this year which I've got, actually. I've actually got that book. And uh, we're playing Dion and myself are playing in a small group, Rich. We're playing D&D every fortnight, just mm-hmm. online. And um, believe you, I'm a warlock, dude. Can you believe that? I worship the Dark One. I love uh, it. Yeah, no, sounds about right. I fucking love it, man. And, and the next campaign we're going to do is Ravenloft, which is all the vampires and stuff. So I'm down for that. Um, Sam Raimi was saying, I didn't know, know that I could face it again because it was so awful, having been the director of Spider-Man 3. The internet was getting revved up and people disliked that movie and they sure let me know about it, so it was difficult to take back on. That was Sam Raimi talking about coming on to Doctor Strange, Multiverse of Madness, and, and kind of re-entering the superhero phrase. I mean, I think he did a fantastic job on two movies. Um, you know, Sam Raimi, Evil Dead, you know, his credentials, I think... Really, I mean, I, the guy's allowed one movie that didn't hit on all cylinders, you know? Really. I mean, he's... No, had... unacceptable. I need perfection. Nothing else will do. <laughs> well, I mean, perfection, <laughs> you know, is an illusion a lot of the time. Um, now, I want to hand this one to you, because you're more of a Gina Carano fan than me, Rich. What, what's going on here on Gina Morano uh, news? Carano? Gina Carano news? Yeah. Have you seen The know. Mandalorian Fallout? indirectly killed a planned Lucy Lawless Star Wars project. Lucy Lawless says fans pushing for her to replace Jenna Carano and the Mandalorian may have heard her own planned Star Wars project. Interesting. Okay. A very vocal fan base was trying to get Lucy Lawless hired and there's suspicion that Disney may have actually thought we don't want to piss off our segment any more than they were already pissed off and may have backed away from that, because I think they were very much putting her in opposition to Gina Carano, who, if you remember, was fired, Rich, for thought crime. Yeah, for know? thought crime. Yeah, I know, I know, thought crime. The, the, we're, we're back in the fucking Middle Ages now. Um, Anna Taylor, uh, Alan Taylor, director of Terminator Genesis, has expressed his desire to go back to Thor The Dark World and do a Snyder Cut type of re-edit citing studio <laughs> interference for the quality of the final product. I mean, really? No, thank you. What do you say, Rich? Uh, 
I don't think any cut could save that fucking uh, uh, movie, honestly, because it's just not. It's not that. It's not a compelling story to begin with. No, exactly. Like, it's quite boring. It's yeah. It's very hollow. Yeah. Um, it doesn't really have any real character uh, develop. Uh, you don't really care that much, obviously, about the the bad guy. The so only thing I, like, I tell you, the only thing I liked about it was I liked kind of that it was kind of going in almost a bit of a sci-fi direction. Some of the stuff, like. The look of some of the stuff was a bit more sort of sci-fi. I thought at the well, time yeah, that was yeah, cool. I mean, that, that, that is cool because obviously um, Thor is technically sci-fi. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's not a very good story. And I just don't, I don't know any cut that would actually, you know, fix that movie. As I said to you, this is the same issue I have with the um, the Josh Whedon, uh, Josh Whedon, yeah, the Josh Whedon Snyder cut thing. Like yeah. that, that cut didn't save the movie. It's still not a cohesive, good it was, story. It was better, but it was very similar, you know. I'm sh- sure. Maybe it had some really cool, like visual stuff, and you got a little bit more character development with Cyborg. But my point is, it doesn't change the story of the movie, which is still flawed. True, true. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like the the actual premise, the story is still flawed. It's not a good Justice League story movie. No, I agree with you, Rich. I agree with you completely. The, the danger still feels nebulous. Was Darkseid in it? He was in it, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he had like the the, the cameos and his face the in the black gooey stuff. But that's but the problem with that is it makes it even more nebulous. How long did the Green Lantern last <sighs> in the in the in the Snyder Cut? Do you remember? Oh, less than the Whedon Cut. Oh, right. Okay. He gets killed in the in the Snyder Cut, doesn't he? He gets killed in both cuts, but right. the difference is is that. Um, uh, the Whedon cut actually has him doing a little bit more and creating constructs. Yes, I remember that. Yeah, and and then you then you see him sort of under uh, Darkseid's boot, but then you don't know how it happened. Mm. Whereas in the Snyder cut, he's literally in the air, and it literally just shows you him getting his ass handed to him and Darkseid killing him. So you kind of go, "Oh, Green Lanterns don't feel that very." Yeah, important or powerful or whatever. You, you so that's why I said yeah. Whedon had more respect. For the Green Lantern character than Snyder did. Yeah. No. Yeah. Okay. I, Alan Taylor. No, thank you. Basically. Um, now, some interesting news that I thought I'd bring to your attention, and I'm going to bring it to Chuck um, to discuss with him on the interview. Uh, Chuck Dixon revealed DC have stopped paying writers royalties on foreign lang- language collections, which is terrible. I think. Yeah. Don't um, surprise me though. I mean, God, how appalling. Like that they don't, you know, pass these royalties on. Like, I mean, it just it just staggers me. Just the bad faith that they operate their business models with. Yeah, yeah but this is okay. So, not this is. I'm not defending the company before you say this, right? Right. But I think this shows you mm. how hard for cash they are. Sure. I think this shows you how poorly comics are selling. Yeah. Yes, they're probably making just enough with these trades. Yeah. Thank God to the collectors, but they ain't making money off any of the new stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's struggling. The new stuff. So, you know what? I, they were paying royalties. They've stopped. That tells me yeah. they are trying to tighten the belt. Yeah. No, I, I, I don't disagree with you, man. I think and you know what? I can't, lot, look, but... at the end of the day, I can't necessarily begrudge them doing that if you don't have the money. Mm. But you should never have... 
you got your spot. On the same hand, I can't feel too sorry for them because you got yourself in the situation. Yeah, you, you gotta, didn't want to listen to your fans. Your yeah. fans were telling you the shit you're putting out is not good enough. We don't want to buy it, and you told them to fuck off. Well, what pisses me off is I think of those like awesome omnibuses I've got. You know the 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 Nightfall and all those that, that three fucking collection, that three omnibus collection. Now, let's just say an Italian that's selling, and, and that's selling for roughly a uh, hundred US. You know, r- roughly like give or take. Um, the fact that none of the creators are getting a piece of that is, I think, just awful and terrible. Because mm-hmm. I mean, it's if your business isn't sustainable, um, you know what? You know, cutting employees' fucking wages or cutting freelancers like you know royalties—that's a that's a shitty move, a really mm-hmm. shitty move by a shitty company, frankly. It is shitty, but as I said, to me, it shows you're not making any money anymore. But yeah. you. You know, you're willing to look like even more of the bad guy, yeah, because you don't have the money. Wow, crazy! Um, now, X Men and Avengers fan battle was raging on the internet. Rich, it started with the Fox versus Marvel movies, like people putting the Fox characters up against the Marvel Avengers, and now it's turning to every incarnation of the character. It was really blowing up over the last few days. I mean, it's a, a tale as old as time. Like I remember in the schoolyard, X Men versus Avengers. You know. Like that kind of. Do you remember that kind of battle? I, I remember that dis- those discussions, like with friends and stuff, like back in the nineties, man. And like, it's kind of funny that it's now coming full circle. Uh, I mean, I guess. I mean, more our conversations were like, uh, who would in a who, who would really win in a fight between Superman or Batman or sure, like the like Flash and whoever and all that. But I mean, I don't remember going this far between. Fox oh, I, I remember and now, apparently, and now apparently every fucking inc- incarnation of a character, like who would beat, uh, which Captain America would win in a fight, the 80s, 90s, 2000s, <laughs> or 2010 Captain America. It's like they're the same fucking person, which, what? <laughs> Rich, the voice of sanity. I like it, Rich. I mean, it's always good when you're in the house because you do bring it down. Now, Flashback Friday, we did uh, three different comics this week. The first one was Justice League of America 144. Uh, Steve Englehart was kind of a secret origin of the uh, Justice League reach. And um, it was kind of funny. It started with Green Arrow kind of really having the shits because he found out about the secret origin. And <laughs> Green Arrow is always having the shits. And he was, geez, he was cranky, wasn't he? he was, and, and, like, they're telling him to shush as they're telling him the storyline. I enjoyed this. It was like everything in the kitchen sink was thrown into this one. Yeah, no, uh, but you know what? Uh, I enjoy this, but you know what it kept making me think of? What? The, um, the, uh, the, Mor- uh, Morrison? The, the Morrison, I'm trying to remember what the name of it was. New remember World when Order? he did the story with the, when he reformed the Justice League with the, and the, the threat was the White Martians? Yeah. yeah. I don't know why, but I just felt it made me think of that. Yeah, sure. Like this, this kind of origin. Well, there were white Martians in this story. bridge. That was why. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, it, it, but I like how like the white Martians are there. No one knows. Mm. They're pretending to be other people and stuff and all that. I just I was like, oh, that's very interesting. You know, because again, uh, you know, Morrison's read a lot of comics, so maybe in the back of his mind, he was a little bit inspired by that. Well, but, I remember Morrison uh, at the time, or at least in his biography, talking about how he really took the plot approach of Gardner Fox. And put that into modern comics. 
mm. was very much his inspiration. And so this wasn't that far away. This wasn't Gardner Fox, but it was, you know, not that far away in terms of an era. I mean, I, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a lot of fun. Um, the Dick Dillon artwork was great. I mean, it was it was a pleasurable experience to read. I'm giving it 7.5 out of 10. Yeah, um, I would agree with that, 7.5. Yeah. Again, uh, good art, uh, good story. And Jesus, can I just say something? And I'll sure. say it now because uh, especially the two that we've read now, the Superman and the Justice League one, it really puts modern comics, a lot of modern comics to shame. These comics are 36 pages. Yeah. And they cram so much yeah. into 36 pages. I know, I know. It's crazy. So much events, so much plot, so much in 36 pages. And then comics today are like what? About 32? Well, no, 20. Some of them are 20. Oh, 27, 28 pages or whatever. Like, And barely anything happens in most of them. And I just, I was reading that this week and I was looking at this and I said, Jesus Christ, they cram a lot in 36 pages. They cram so much story, so much character, so much ideas in 36 pages that the people writing comics today, not all of them, just the ones I'm talking about, should be ashamed of of how little they put in to a single issue or how little happens in a single issue. They should be ashamed of a few things, Rich, basically, you know, the way way they've been operating, I mean. Yeah, no, but no, they should I, definitely be ashamed of that because comics cost more now. And and Steve Engelhart was saying that when he got brought on to Just League of America, um, he said to I believe it was Jeanette Khan, he said, I need more pages. I I to tell these storylines. And and he and he just does it in one issue like this. He every page as you say, there's something happening. I mean, there's so much shit happening in this comic book. You yeah, know? But not just his one, the Superman one as well. Yeah. God, yeah. the Superman had so much happen in it. Well, the Superman one we're going to next, what number is it? Superman one five eight, and it's basically a storyline, and and I mean I fucking loved it to do with Candor, and um and I've got a few questions, Rich. So these Candorians come out, and they're using a, a a sort of faulty mechanism to make themselves grow big, and they're pissed at Superman because they're saying Superman kind of withheld this information from them, which is not true because Superman's always trying to fix Candor, but it takes him a while. Um, I've got a question for you, Rich. How Superman? can miniaturize. Oh my God, I was going to have the same question because yeah, like, I don't have the answer to this. Yeah, I was just like, why is Superman able to miniaturize and go in and come out? something that has bothered me about, again, I hate that bottled city of candle. I fucking hate it. With Do you? I love it, man. I think it's so stupid because, right. well, I would hate it less if Superman didn't go into it. Yeah, but The fact that it's in. there and he miniaturizes himself yeah. to go and hang out and go on vacations and help them with problems and then comes out and deminiaturizes himself, yeah. and then keeps saying, "I can't figure out a way to deminiaturize these fucking yeah. people." Yeah, it's impossible. I just go, "That doesn't make any sense." No, I was he thinking uses that. the same brainiac technology to shrink himself. Yeah, I was thinking that during this one. Maybe there is some reason that we're not aware of, though. You know, like that's been explained. There must be a reason for it because I quite like the storyline, though. I thought it was a pretty cool fucking story. Like, no, 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 it was a good story, but it's not just this one. It's it's always bothered me with that bottle city of of candle. Uh, it's always bothered me that he he goes in there and then deminiaturizes himself when he comes out, but yet he keeps saying, oh, "I just can't get." I just, just can't, can't figure can't out the technology to save these people. I'm just like, well, how do you keep going in and out? Well, I'll tell you what. Next week, we will do the issue, the Superman issue, where he does finally, it's called Let My People Grow, and he finally does unminiaturize them. Okay? It's a classic one-shot. 
Um, we'll do that issue next week, so at least we can see him do it. I, I know in modern continuity they were brought back as miniaturised, but there is a there is a Bronze Age issue where Superman does actually, um, you know, let them grow to full size. He works out how to do it. But um, that is interesting. But, I mean, for me, a real pleasure of a comic. And, and Rich, three-act structure. I love this issue. It read fast. It read good. I mean, you could do a movie based on this. You could rip this out, modernise this, and make a movie of this, and I would love it. Yeah, as I said, they cram so much. Yeah. So much into... But you know uh, what? And in fact, you know what? I'm wrong. It's not technically... It's not 36 pages. It's a little less than 36 pages. I think it's something like 32 or, or, or something like that. But either way, even if it was 32, 36, the amount of story and plot that happens in this. Yeah. I mean, they go from some of them coming out and causing a muck to Superman going in and almost being on trial and being hunted to creating an alter ego. Yes. Uh, Nightwing and um, Fire. Uh, Nightwing and Flamebird. Flamebird, that was it. Flamebird to coming out to hiding in the Phantom Zone to... Uh, Proving the theory wrong and then save it. I mean, that's a lot. Well, Rich, you of, know what I've got That's here. a lot of stuff to happen in, in yeah. one issue. Well, they go into the Phantom Zone. It's so cool. I've actually got... I've, while you've been talking, I was just trying to find it. On my on my bookshelf, I've got um, one called The Bottle City of Candor, Tales from the Last City of a Lost World, and it covers some of the classic storylines of Candor, which is the capital mm. city of Krypton. And um, and it, it ends with "Let my people grow," which is the final the final episode. Obviously, is Candor the capital? Candor was the former capital, as it says multiple times oh, in this former book. Former capital. Okay, I was going to say I don't remember being that, but it was, it was the form. capital of Krypton before it got miniaturized. Is it? Oh, okay. Yeah. So, Brainiac. For those, so what's Arg? What's Argo there? Oh, Argo is where Supergirl is. Supergirl from, came from yeah, Argo City. But basically, what happened was Brainiac prior to the destruction of Krypton miniaturized candor and put it with mm. miniature cities but it was the capital of krypton which i only know from reading this issue but yeah it's pretty cool man like i, I love it dude i love all that krypton stuff you don't like it do you no you're not a fan no and, and, and again another reason i don't like the candor thing is because as i said i i'm not a fan of anything that makes superman uh less alone you, you know or what, less, Rich? We're so different because special. one of the, my favorite things was always the Superman Rescue Squad. I love those guys. Oh, God. And they get a fucking run Look, here, too. Okay, here's the thing. I do not mind it in the old stuff. Yeah. Because, again, it wasn't... No one knew this shit was going to last yeah. almost ni you know, 90 years, going on 100 years. Like, You know what I mean? They weren't really concerned with um, continuity. Or, or what what's wrong with the just... Superman Rescue Squad, Rich? What's wrong with them? No, look, it's look. In that time, it's let's be honest. It's a bit, it's a bit silly and campy. I love them, but it's fine for for what I don't. I enjoy reading it in your in like say your golden age, yeah, yeah, and all that sort of stuff because that's a completely different time where comic books are written differently. Mm. But in if you're talking about modern Superman, what I don't like, I don't like too many Kryptonians. Do they still around. exist in modern? Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, really? Okay, I wasn't aware. Well, yes, 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 yes. No, no, no. They're still around because I remember uh, John was dealing with them when they fucking uh, gave him his own Superman book. Right. Okay. Well, I, I didn't know that the Superman 
Rescue Squad was still a thing. Because they are very silver. Well, I don't know if the Rescue Squad is still a thing, but uh, Candor is still a thing. Oh, no, Candor's still a thing, for sure. But uh, but I wasn't sure if... Um, well, I don't know, because Candor has been killed off and dropped and and grown so many, but then the new 52 came and reset things, and then Rebirth came and reset things again, and... Well, was it... remember, Candor, uh, uh, there was the storyline, I... Th- uh, was it Johns that did it? Yes. Well, it he led to the War it. of the Supermen. Yes, he started it. What was that storyline like, Rich? Was it good? Uh, I mean, technically, yes, but... Um, I believe he left halfway through, and Greg Rucker and I James Robertson I wouldn't had say it's it. the best, but it's certainly, um, it's certainly bombastic. Mm. I mean, there's, there's betrayal, there's espionage, mm. there's um, General Lane... Yeah, no, um, I'd like to check it out, yeah. just out of interest, you know. But, um, yeah. We'll, we'll... I mean, if this if it was an Elseworld story, I think you could go so many fun places with it. But, you know, sometimes it's a bit hard to, uh, in, in something that is supposed to matter. Is Monel in, in that? Does Monel come into that? Um, I thought Monel was in Mon-El that. Monel is around because Monel takes over for a short bit when Superman goes to live on New Krypton. Right. Oh, I see. Okay. Right. I see. And so Monel becomes Superman for a while, does he? Yeah, and then uh, the the kid who's supposed to be um, uh, General Zod's son, mm. uh, he and his girlfriend, friend, whatever, become the new Nightwing and Flamebird. Right. Okay. Uh, but I think they end up uh, again. There's a lot of sacrifice, a lot of deaths. Okay. Uh, a lot of backstabbing. Again, it's it's not a bad story. It's just that I, I kind of feel it could have been a better story if it was maybe an Elseworlds. Okay. Where you could really go, like, you, you could let loose a bit more. All right. Well, we're going to definitely do it on the show at some point because uh, I believe it's a multi-volume story, so we'll just start with a volume one. Yeah. But I, I believe Jeff Johns kicks it off and then Greg Rucker well, and James Yeah, it's Robinson. a multi-volume story, which then leads to a four... Is it a four-issue event book? Right. Okay. Yeah. All right. Oh, I, I've never read any of it, to be honest. Um, now, I'm giving this Superman 1588 out of 10. I thought it was particularly good. I, I really enjoyed it. What are you giving it, Rich? Uh, same as the Justice League, 7.5. 7.5, fair enough. Then we had DC Comics Presents Hawkman 1. This um, is a weird one. This was odd, I must admit. It, was, uh, it wasn't what I was expecting. Kerry Bates on writing duties, 2004. Uh, Julie Schwartz is a uh, definitely much a big character in this. And it's um, it's just an odd. I guess it's it's fun. It's Is offbeat. This, was was this something that they did in? I think this was something they did in celebration of Julie. I think. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Well, if I remember correctly, be. because there was quite a few. And in fact, I've got a. I think I've got a Green Lantern one. It's where they basically took some older stories. Yes. And they kind of reprinted them, and then they 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 got newer artists to redo the cover. And then I think when you open it up, there was like a Julie Schwartz badge. Really? I, I, oh, I, I so it was all I, a big thing. I'm trying to remember what it, I think it was just, I don't know if he, I can't remember if he had passed away or if it was just a, they were celebrating. Like an anniversary or something. Yeah, like an anniversary or an achieve, you know, just something, his achievements or something. But there was a big, um, there was a big like DC Comics Presents and it was kind of a, um, it was it was an interesting idea. I mean, I I, I didn't mind it. I was I was yes, kind of it was a Julie it. Schwartz tribute. Okay, right. 
Um, when did Julie pass away? Did did he make it into the nineties, or was he like? Well, these ones why? came out in 04, these uh, DC Comics Presents. So um, I imagine it could have been around about then. Or maybe they just, as I said, it could have been an anniversary. I have to actually maybe look up because I'm not sure when he may have passed away then. I'm having a look. Yeah, 2004. You're right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. this was a, a, a tribute to Julie Schwartz. And uh, uh, I, I collected a couple of them. I didn't get the Hawkman one. Yeah. Um but yeah, so what they would do is they would, you, you basically Julie Schwartz would like kind of be in all the issues, and it was kind of a retelling, I think, on some of the stories that he worked on. Mm-hmm. Uh, just they just took one issue, uh, and as I said, they got new artists to come in and uh, or famous artists to come in and redo the old original covers. Yes, well, I mean, I I kind of dug it, man. I I, I thought it was. I'm only giving it give it a seven because I mean it's it's a slight story you know it's a, it's an offbeat slight yeah, story. Yeah, you know what? It's a shame you didn't pick if if I if I because I didn't realize it at the time. Huh. I probably would have recommended the Green Lantern one. Well, we can maybe do the Green Lantern one. The Green Lantern one was pretty funny because he was selling Green Lantern rings, really? <laughs> power rings for sale. And I do know this: uh, Julie Schwartz, in general, from what I've heard, not with Stephen Gerhardt, who said he didn't do it in general. He would bring writers into the office. They would often start with a cover, and they would co-plot the story together. And then the writer would go home and write it out. Um, that was, in general, how Julie Schwartz worked with, like an Ellie and Magan, with a Marty Pascal, with a Kerry well, Bates. Well, I mean, in, in a sense, that almost sounds like a different version of um, the Marvel, the Marvel way, in a sense. Yeah, an even more simplified version than that because uh well again the marvel ways maybe a bit more artist driven where you pitch the you just give the artist the the broad strokes and they go and do it but this way you get the artist to say just give us a cover yeah and it's almost like the artist is going to dictate the story because then the writers have to look at the cover and go okay what's happening here (laughs) hawkman's fighting a wing gorilla (laughs) and it's not a bad idea no, you know. well, you can get some really fucking fun stories because yeah. you challenge yourself. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, you know, I, I kind of dig it. I think it's kind of cool. Like it's old school, but, but it's cool. Can I? Can I just say? I'm sorry, but for me, Julie Schwartz is one of my favorite people in comics. Oh, Julie Schwartz is immense. Like he, he is. He is my. Uh, he he would be a, a face on one on my Mount Rushmore. I think he belongs. I think he belongs there. Frankly, I think he belongs there. If you're going to put Stan Lee there, put Julie Schwartz there right beside him. You know, because Julie I, Schwartz. I, I don't know. It could just be me, but I have a little bit more respect for Julie Schwartz because he just wasn't as much of a shill. Yeah, <laughs> like, I was thinking. I was thinking of something a little bit more. Um, no, I know what you mean though. Like, polite, but you know what I mean. Like he just wasn't so boastful. Because let's be honest. I mean, people go, "Oh, Stan Lee created," and I'm like, "Yeah, but." I mean, Julie Schwartz reinvented pretty Lots much the things. entire DC line. Like, oh, no, I think we owe a lot to Julie Schwartz. And, and all this Bronze I mean, Age I'm reading, I mean, Julie Schwartz is all over it, you know? Yeah, and I mean, he's the one who ushered in the, like, the Silver Age. Like, yeah, you know, he's the one who re- revitalized The Flash and Green Lantern. It's true, and, 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 you know, and Aquaman. Like, I, I just, you know... Um, and he yeah, took over I, I Superman think... in 71? He took over the Superman titles in, yeah. se- in 71? It, it 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 bothers me a little bit that everyone keeps bandying you know Stan Lee's name around, and yet I, I very rarely hear people talk Julie Schwartz. And you know, it, well, those it, of us who know do. Know. Those of us who know do. You know. Yeah, um, but again, it's the fact that the, I think Stan Lee was so loud. Mm. 
that people just automatically go, Stan Lee, he's the, he's the, well, the Stan, hero of comics. Stan, I'm like, Stan he loved is. the limelight. Stan loved the limelight, you know? Yeah, he did. He really did. He did. He, <laughs> he was a showman to the end of the day. Um, but no, I mean, look, we still have a Well, I mean, even in this Johnson. title, they refer to usually sports as a curmudgeon. Yeah, well, I'm sure. <laughs> so, it's kind of funny, man. Well, it's, it's written by someone who, no, Kerry Bates worked closely with him, you know? Yeah, and yeah. Well, I think they got everyone who... Um, as, yeah, worked with. So that's why they picked certain issues and people who who had experience or um, had some connection to Julius Schwartz. Yeah, and I mean he he um, he re- revitalized Batman as well. He he did a lot of things, man. No, very very interesting guy, and with a massive legacy that I, I don't think can be understated, you know, um, uh, or overstated or whatever the word is. But uh, he's enormous in 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 comics, basically. Um, I mean, this comic I'm giving a seven um, out of ten. It was fun. It was slight fun. I enjoyed it. You know. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's a six point five, but that's only because it's just so fucking weird. Yeah, it's odd. <laughs> I totally agree. I mean, I started reading. I was like, okay, wow, we're it's wacky. It's a wacky races yeah. almost. You know. Because th- this is the one that's far more um, uh, fourth world wall breaking, wall breaking. Yeah, very meta. Yeah, they actually have Julie Schwartz talking with aliens and the aliens are actually talking about the, the comic the comic and the cover and that it's the end of the world like the other the other ones don't go to that length no um but again this is probably just someone having a little bit of well i think Terry bates was having fun a bit with of fun, it you know he was he was doing and of course they have a backup story that is that actually ties into the actual what the story what what the comic actually was yeah which is cool which is cool Kurt Busiak uh, on writing duties there too, mm. I noticed. Um, so then we come to our trade of the week, Rich, and I want you to guide me through this one because this one was an odd one for me. It was uh, Green Lantern, Tales of Green Lantern Core Volume 3. Um, you very much threw me in the deep end, um, but I've got to be honest, I enjoyed it. It was not something I would normally read with characters I normally don't care about, apart from Hal, but... I found it strangely compelling. I, I wanted your take as the Green Lantern fan. What did you think of this? Um, okay, so I, I actually collected these in floppies mm-hmm. uh, back in the day. So I actually have that entire volume in floppies. That's cool. Um, it was very interesting because um, I ha- I was not... Um, at the time, mm. obviously, I knew of the Green Lanterns, but I'd never really read them all in a book. Sure. Where they were like an ensemble. It was always usually, you know, um, Hal Jordan that was sort of the main character. Yep. Um, sure. You know, yes, he, le- he went away and they brought in John Stewart, which was the uh, um, the start of the, hey, this book's not doing well. Let's put a ring on someone else <laughs> uh, phenomenon that has become Green Lantern now. Um, and but you know what I was thinking about this when we were discussing with Steve Hart and then and when I was reading this is that it's such a shame now that they have like I think it's seven or eight Earth lanterns mm. because none of the uh, the alien lanterns get any time to shine. Yeah, I hear you. Paul. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like when you read something like this, okay, yes, you've got John and you've got Hal, mm-hmm. and Guy is sort of off doing. He's got a kind of a B plot, uh, maybe yeah. even a C plot <laughs> happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, He's there, uh, but just very minorly. Yeah, like on the peripheral. But you have all these other... You've got Salak and Kilowog and Chip. And you know what? It's this book, it's this run that made those characters popular. Mm. It made This is what made those characters 
fan favorites. Yeah. You know, and yes, a lot of people, they call back and go, oh, Hal Jordan, you know, uh, a teenager, pedophile, all that sort of shit. But it's like, but Arissa became a popular character. Wow. So re- people are really, that's a real big thing, is it? Well, uh, not a big thing, but it's, it's, it's something that gets thrown at. It, it is interesting. Like it was, I was, I read it and I was like, okay, we're going here. I, I didn't see this coming. But, um, well, look, yeah, it's okay. it's difficult because I mean, again, one you, you're dealing with sci-fi and you're dealing with aliens. Yes. You know, and as she points out, because I did think about this and I thought to myself, okay, imagine if someone lived to be 300 years old, right? Sure. And they're immortal or something like that. Yeah, yeah, like a vampire. And they and they dating a, an 18 year old who's sure. The, you know, she's legal. Well, you you would kind of be like, well, that's a bit of a would have a bit of a weird age difference. Like he's got so much more experience over sure. someone so young. And as Arissa does point out in the book, while she's by earth standards 14, mm. because time and obviously years work differently in her planet, yeah. she's technically 28. Yeah. And, yeah, as, yeah, and, and as Hal says, yeah, but you look like a teenager and you act like a teenager. So to me, you're a teenager. Mm. Now it doesn't help that Hal keeps calling her honey. That was actually amusing which, that he just kept throwing that. Which one. I was like, okay, that's really weird that you don't want it to hit on you, but you keep yeah, calling the honey. Yeah, honey, this, honey, that. She's like, say, don't say honey unless you mean it. Yeah. So, well, so apparently, subconsciously, she was getting her ring to sort of um, age her up, mature her up to to look more twenty eight, basically. Right. Yeah. And apparently, but it also did it not just physically but mentally. Yes. So, like, technically, <laughs> he's not really dating a, a teenager because one, she was technically twenty eight. Yeah. By Earth years anyway. It's, inter- it's interesting that he decided that was the way to go, though. Like, it's it just seems to be causing an unnecessary yeah, look, sort of look, it, it's problem. a bit of a weird thing, but I think, you know, they wanted to, I guess, give him a an interest and maybe that... And the only other female character was uh, Kat Matui, which is a bit of a... One is a bit of a boring character and is John's partner. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I guess they were like, oh, I don't want to introduce a new character. Now, t- <laughs> turning to some of the other stuff, other than that, I mean... I quite liked the way that they were setting up shop and, like, the media was getting involved and that woman had a real axe to grind. Like, it was kind of interesting in a weird way. No, as I said, like, this was a really good, um, even though I wasn't used to it, there was a really good ensemble. And as I said, it's what, it's what, why so many people love Chip and, and Sarlacc and Kilowog. Chip is cool. Yeah, and you know what? A lot of people were devastated when Chip died. You know what I mean? Oh, is he dead? Yes. Oh. Well, I don't know. I mean, after 52 Rebirth, who fucking knows? What about the guy with the purple head? He was kind of cool too. The sort Sarlacc? Of, the, yeah, crabby kind of head or whatever he had. Well, the, uh, Chip calls him Picklehead or something. Yeah, yeah. Is he still um, kicking? Yeah, he's still... But again, they none of these characters get any moments to shine. Like, it's a shame. I, I was enjoying them. Uh, does this run go for a long time or was it just brief? Um, I think it ends... Shortly after that volume. Right, okay. So it's not super long. It really felt like they were trying to build a franchise, but I was kind of thinking maybe the franchise didn't go anywhere. Well, and again, this is why I asked Steve the, like, the question, why do you think, like, what was his, because I have my my opinions mm. on why DC struggled with, with Green Lantern. And I just was curious, that, since he worked on Green Lantern, if he had any thoughts and all that sort of stuff, you know, and, mm. and he mentioned, uh, you know, his thought was maybe it was that the, uh, Green Lantern has so much mythology around it that, that makes it daunting, which uh, I, I do agree with. I, I mean, I do agree that if you're not going to embrace the mythology, mm-hmm. 
I think you're going to struggle to make people care about it. As I said, Green Lantern should not be really on earth stopping bank robbers and, you know, uh, crooks and mad scientists. He should be, you know, stopping invasions and mm. uh, a giant uh, interplanetary, uh, planetary wide uh, yeah. smuggling operations, you know, uh, almost like cop things, but yeah. in space, not on earth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and again, it's why his most memorable and famous villain is Sinestro. And the Manhunters. Because and so, those are Sinestro was nowhere to be seen in this one. Yeah, well, I mean, I mean, Sinestro comes and goes. Mm. Uh, I, I do think he's someone that, uh, I mean, look, Jeff Johns used him really well quite often, but I think uh, if you don't have a good idea for him, just leave him yeah. in quad yeah. or whatever. But again, I mean, he's, he's, he's villains, Goldface, Black Hand. Black Hand you know, was hilarious, hilarious in this. Yeah, he's hilarious, but no one really remembers him, is my point, because Black he's Hand a bit of, in this was he's kind a bit of, of a joke. He was a joke. He was like listing out all the cliches and stuff. Yeah. So that's my point. So it's it's difficult to, um, you know, but again, you could fall back on many of the lanterns to mm. to help with the fact that you don't really have maybe that many good villains. And by the way, I actually thought Chips. Uh, Arch Nemesis was fucking fantastic. I, I totally agree. I thought Chip uh, had a I really cool I thought that cool was a look. really great. I mean, when you first read in it, you kind of go in like, oh, who the fuck is this truck guy? Why does he look so stupid? Yeah. You know, and then there's the weird woman with the two, the thumb and the finger, yes. no other fingers and stuff and all that. And you're just wondering what the hell's going on. And But then when it reveals that it's this guy and, you know, and he, he traps them all, I was like, this is actually fucking really good. Who actually thought that the the main plot of chip and his nemesis would be so and i'm talking about back then mm. who thought this would be so compelling but fuck me it was how, how long had chip and kilowog and all that been around had Inglehart just created all them just before jeez um i think he fleshed them out but i think he only created kilowog okay right as a new character um uh because, as I said, the, a lot of the characters have been around a long time, but they're, they're always just background characters. Yeah, no, he did a good job. Like, you know, I wondered how you would be because I knew Hal Jordan. I mean, not a backseat here, but he's just very much part of the gang, you know, um, and a lot, lot of spotlight on a lot of the other characters. But I actually felt like... Weirdly, I was reading it going, I just normally couldn't care less about Jon Stewart and his fucking problems, but but I was buying into it. I was like, this is actually a pretty decent read. Like, it was a page-turner. Yeah, um, look, I mean, to be fair, I mean, this still shows that even back in those days, Jon Stewart was fucking boring as. Oh, yeah, he's always boring. But, but what helps is that he's surrounded by... Interesting. ...six other people. Yeah, totally. See, I, that's the thing. I, I don't think I could read a book of Jon by himself. I couldn't. I can tell you about if, if John was the main character and it was literally just him, yeah. I I could not. You could not give me to give. I could not. In this could not though, pay he's fine. In this though, he's fine because he's part of the gang. Well, he's, he's the he's the straight boring guy in yeah, the group. The straight guy, yeah. And you know, it's kind uh, Chip of interesting. is the optimistic guy. Kilowog is um, the, the the strong, uh, silent type yeah. of just like he's still trying to find his footing. Salak is the 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 grumpy curmudgeon who's always complaining about everything. Yeah, he's funny. You know, I thought he was Cal's funny. the um, free bird. I'll just come and go as I please. Yep. I don't really want you guys weighing me down. Arissa's the lovesick puppy. Mm. Um, and in fact, uh, even combined, uh, um, uh, Kat Matui and John combined are two very boring people. Yes, no, I agree. Like the two of them together, 
wasn't helping, you know? Uh, uh, by the way, Chip's replacement, uh, uh, which was when um, uh, Green Lantern was at its height and before the 52, I think, and mm. all that was, uh, I, can't, I don't even know how to pronounce it. It's like a bedig. Right. I've never heard it's, of it. It's B apostrophe DG. Right. Okay. Bedig. But yeah, but people were devastated when Chip, by the way, I hate Chip's costume that they changed it to with the bow tie. I wish they'd kept him in the traditional Green Lantern yeah. uh, costume. But I get, I get it. They were like, oh, we should all look different yeah. because we're all on Earth and it's going to look weird if all of us. But so, of course, John and Katmai were like, we've yeah. got to dress identical because we're a couple. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It shows no. you how boring they are that they dress the same. <laughs> <laughs> Look, to be honest, man, like, honestly, I when you picked this book, I was like, kind of cool. And then when I read it, I was like, well, this is different from what I expected. And Joe Stater needs to be mentioned here because I think he does a great job on the art. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah cool. And he does that really fascinating issue with Chip, the origin of Chip with a different art style. It was almost a bit Yusagi Yojimbo-like at times. Yes. Oh, yeah, it had a much more cartoony yeah. uh, vibe. Yeah, yeah, very much that sort of like animal cartoony Yeah, which uh, I like, uh, the anthropomorphic yeah. kind of stuff. I also love that his origin is almost very similar to Hal's. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How he just—he's got the it. secret identity. He's got the girlfriend who doesn't know yep. who he is. You know what I mean? Uh, he got the ring because um, the lantern, you know, died. Yes, protecting his plan. Like I thought to myself, it's like it, the parallels are very similar to Hal. I was like, this is pretty cool. I also thought it was kind of cool that this was all taking place right after the crisis. And... Yeah. So can I be? This is I find fascinating. Do you know that Green Lantern mm. seems to be the only book? Other than maybe Batman, that survives crises. Yeah. Or cri crisis. Yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe because it's on such a big scale, you know. Well, that's the thing. Like, you know, a, a lot of titles after um, uh, uh, the the crisis. Uh, crisis on Infinite Earths. Crisis on Infinite Earths. I couldn't remember because sometimes we get confused between multiple Earths and Infinite Earths. Um, there's two different events. Um, you know, a lot of the books got rebooted. Yes, like Superman. I think the only ones who didn't was Batman and um, Green Lantern. Yeah, and there were minor Green changes in, in Batman, but very minor. Mostly yeah. to do with Robin and stuff. But, but Green Lantern actually continued, and they did the same with Green Lantern with the new 52. Yes. Well, I think that was when the new 52 rolled in, they were like, no, 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 just carry on. Yeah. Nothing changes. I think that was because Jeff Johns was writing it and doing such a good job, you know? Oh, yeah, it was fine. You know, that's what I said. The New 52 was such a stupid decision. <laughs> Let's not go down that well again. But, Rich. you know, okay, but anyway, so, so back to the point is one of the reasons I do not read and or enjoy Green Lantern right now is it's – and, again, I understand that it's, it's got to be about the Earth Lantern has to be the center of the book, right? Sure. But back in the day – they created so many interesting peripheral and side lanterns <coughs> like Chip, mm. like Sarlacc, like Tomare, like uh, Boudicca, Orissa, yeah. even Gnort, yeah. um, you know, uh, uh, yeah, Omogo, the Gnort's planet. Gnort's okay. Gnort's okay. You know, what's that? I said Gnort's okay from what I've seen. Like, you know. hey, he's a bit of a comedic character, but my yeah. point is he's still funny or interesting, you know yeah, what I mean? Definitely. And then, you know, Mogo, you've got the planet, you've got Gallus Zed. Now, I don't know if you know fam familiar with Gallus Zed. He's basically like a giant head. No, not familiar. With um, with four legs and two arms. Love it. <laughs> Love it. You know, uh, oh, and I remember, I, t I, sh I think I sent you that picture. I said, now, this is your Green Lantern. It was a character called Jack T. Chance. 
who was basically like the Green Lantern's version of like like a Lobo character. He doesn't even wear a uniform. Wow. He literally just wears like um, uh, uh, a trench coat. And what uh, period and is gun, that? What period is he, that? Oh, that's like the 90s. Right, okay. Uh, you know, they just have this one edgy character. He's basically like a uh, an anti-hero who, who basically gets the ring. Yes, right. And uh, he, the only thing that uh, tells you that he's a Green Lantern, obviously, other than the ring, is he basically just wears a Green Lantern pin Love it. on his jacket. Love it. But other than that, you would not know that he was, a, and he even uses, I think he even uses like a gun, like a laser gun and all that sort of shit. Like, Absolutely love it. Definitely. Like, and that's why I said, like, they had such a ball mm. creating all these wonderful alien different lanterns. And right now, all they seem to care about are like the, Boring I don't even us. know all their names. I'm sorry, Boring but like, there's, there's like fucking eight of them and it's just ridiculous. Yeah. No. Um, look. My score may surprise you because honestly, this is a classic case of it was it was a pleasure and it wasn't my cup of tea. You wouldn't think, but I enjoyed it. Eight out of ten, page turner. Eight eight out of ten, page turning rating is what I'm giving it. What are you giving it, Rich? You'll be surprised by my score. It's a nine out of ten. Yeah. Well, no, I you know I I, I wonder no, what I, you I'd would think. Sarcastic, of it. But I said it's yeah, I, I thought you would score it highly, but. No, it was, a, it was a fun read, man, to be honest. Now, I want to say to listeners, next week we have Chuck Dixon on the show and we're doing an all-Chuck episode in terms of comics. And it's going to be quite extensive. Um, we're going to cover some of his comics on Arkhaven Comics, so I recommend you guys check out arkhavencomics.com and you, you'll see a lot of the Well, you'll see the material Chuck's doing there, a lot of material stuff like... Uh, uh, Streets of Avalon, uh, All Hero Q, Something Big, uh, Throne of Bones. There's a whole lot of stuff he's doing there, webcomic-wise. Um, we'll also be doing, definitely, Batman vs. Predator 3. And, Rich, the ball is up for you if you want to do Superman Aliens 2, Superman Aliens 2, or you would like to do a Night, Nightwing trade or something else. Whatever I said, I'll have a look because... Have a look, man. I might want to maybe mix it up and have have one of his like, you know, superhero ones, and then maybe one of his sure non, you know, because again, he's done Lone Ranger, well, he's well, done he's done heaps of stuff, man. So yeah, yeah so like I'll we'll, have I'll have a look and we'll we'll decide and maybe mix it up mix or it not. Up, yeah. We'll see. But we'll definitely do <laughs> the one thing we definitely will do is Batman uh, Predator Three. So of course we will. Yeah. So I've never read it and I'm dying to read it. I told Chuck we're reading it. Um, so yeah, we're definitely doing Batman Predator 3. I will announce whatever the other stuff is, but seriously guys and gals, um, if you have any questions for Chuck that you'd like, uh, you know, answered, obviously, um, email me, signaladoom at gmail.com or message me on the Facebook page, signaladoom. We will get those questions to Chuck. We're looking very forward to that conversation. Um, I do want to mention thank you to all the Patreons. If you can support us, if you can support us for as little as a cup of coffee per month, um, it helps the show. It goes towards show costs. So signal of sorry, patreon.com slash signal of doom. And just if you could just give us, you know, even a couple of bucks, it helps. It all goes towards show costs, which as you can understand are a recurring thing month after month. Um, that is pretty much the show from my angle, Rich. I've had a great time. What about you? I've had a wonderful time. And it's been good times. a wonderful week with the signal. Good times and rock and roll, man. And it's a long weekend here in Sydney. Do you get the long weekend, Rich, because of, you know? Of course not. You, you just get screwed, don't you, basically? <laughs> yeah, that's why people go, oh, public holiday. I go, is there? I don't know. No, I don't I pay attention know. because it doesn't affect me in any way. Wowee. Man. 
stuck. Not even in the middle of COVID. You don't even get a day off then. Jesus. Well, that's my point. I mean, if, if they're not going to give us public holidays off, will you really think they're going to give us <laughs> any time off during a pandemic? No, definitely not. All right. Well, on that note, thank you and good night. Good night. Great show, Rich. We just carried each other across the line there. I was tired, but we just kept going, man. We had a lot of material. Mm-hmm.